Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Smack him a gob, it's me, Dr. Fuck. With me is... Oh yeah, yeah, I'm totally alcohol, Ian Wadley. That's right, it's Ian Wadley. And Ian, I have three words for you. You ready? Uh, okay, I'm counting. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, brother. Yeah, I'm just saying that because I, I, I just have this fear I may lose you. Uh, you know, because I just saw a picture of you making out with the podfather, Ken Mills. I was like, ooh, competition. Oh, that's just sex. That's oh, just sex. Oh, okay. You love me for my my yeah. in, inner beauty and, and egocentric uh, douchebag personality. Uh, the coattails mostly, just the coattails. All right. Well, yeah, either way. All right. So we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and this is part two of the expo and the better part because, ooh, the preacher story. <laughs> and you better listen to this all the way through. Don't skip to the very end. We might we might fade in the middle of the show, okay? Just to be assholes. But I gotta tell you, the preacher story is worth the wait. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right, Ian? That's right. All right. So, uh, amen. <laughs> so, so we got um, the bass player of Exodus. What's his name? Jack Gibson. Jack, you know his name? Yeah, I know. I just wanted you to say because I, I I like your voice. Oh, okay. So Jack Gibson was technically our first interview, but he never showed up. No, no. Our, our first interview was supposed to be uh, Wildside. Oh, yeah, you're correct. Jack Gibson got postponed. But Jack Gibson was not there when we were supposed to interview him. Well, he, he was still in the middle of another interview. His interviews were backed up. Oh, because I remember him coming up to us and apologizing. Yeah, I, I was out having a smoke, and you said he came up, and he said, hey, you know, we'll see each other around. Don't worry about it. I'll still, you know, I'll still do the interview, and you said he apologized. Like the awesome guy he was. I met him the night before. I met him Friday night, and couldn't have been a nicer guy, and uh, he stayed that way through the interview, too. What was his name again? <laughs> so, um, you know. Not Michael Butler. Yeah. That's we, his fucking and, name. And we got, we got to touch upon this. Um. While I was in, inter- while we were interviewing, we actually interviewed him outside, which was cool because you hear no backing, you know, noises. Uh, I was supposed to interview Michael Sweet with Bushy because Bushy, Bushy's the co-host, the Mountain Man, uh, couldn't make it, and uh, so Bushy had an interview with Michael Sweet, and I asked Bushy, please, can I join in? And he was nice enough to let me join in, and uh, so while we were interviewing, what's his name? Jack Gibson. Jack Gibson. And um, uh, Bushy came out and like gave me the, you know, the three-minute warning while we were interviewing Jack Gibson. And um, so I knew I had to leave. But, um, you know, but, you know, the interview's awesome. It, it doesn't, I think it's long enough, like every other interview. And oh, yeah. we, we got everything out. But, you know, right when I left, I said, I probably cut this part out of the interview, what you're about to hear. But right before I left, I go, all right, Ian, now tell him about Michael Butler. Right. It would have been so nice that there was still a microphone out there with you telling him the Michael stories. 
Oh, you know, I, I, I just gave a, a brief rundown, you know, and, and he was polite. You know, he didn't get into it, which which is, you know, I'm totally fine. Shows he's a classy guy, a lot more class than me. Uh, you know, and he, but he smiled, <laughs> you know, uh, he laughed. I'm sure he's heard stories, you know. Right. You know, there's a reason why they didn't continue with Butler and they hired Jack in the first place. Not only is a great bass playing, but I'm sure it has a lot to do with the personality. Super nice guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Michael Butler, I, I listened to one of his shows and he admits it. He's a socially awkward guy, doesn't know how to act around people. So there you go. At least, he, at least he realizes that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, I give a fuck. Yeah, I, I... He's my friend. Yeah, yeah. That never speaks to me. Yeah, Michael Brandbold's your fucking friend, too. Yeah, you know? no, I, actually, I'm your fucking friend. Jesus Christ, I, well, I need to start reevaluating this relationship. No, no, look, look. Michael <laughs> Brandbold's my friend. You're my fuck friend. Oh, oh. My friend fuck of buddy. Yeah, uh, uh, me, me and Ian are like Christians. We, we're like fuck friends, but we don't fuck. Right, we're, we're like Christian and shit. Yeah, that's how you keep the magic there, kids. Exactly. It, yeah, it's all that tension, like you know, moonlighting. Yeah, that's you know? sexual tension. Believe me, Ian's always on my mind while I'm in Poontang. <laughs> so, uh, so we're outside, and there he is. So we go, hey, why don't we do the interview now? So right. I pulled out my Zoom recorder and it came out really good. So here's our interview with uh, Jack Sisnak. Good Lord. Take it away. Ian. All right. We are here with Jack Gibson from Exodus, man. How How's it going, buddy? boys? Yeah, we're doing good, man. Doing it good. is a pleasure to have you. Finally, they have a good Exodus, Exodus bass player at this expo. <laughs> we had that piece of shit Michael Butler here the last two years. Now we got a real bass player. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, do no you, comment there, right? Do you know that guy? I, I just a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're better name. off. You're better off. Oh, I forgot he's in the pod world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most people forgot he's in the pod world. Uh, nobody listens to that shit. He's a prick. But, uh, but uh, you are you are the longest serving bass player in Exodus history. I mean, you uh, played yes. with every singer that's been in the lineup. You played with yeah, Dayloft. Yeah. Uh, that that was your first album was the live album, correct? Yes. yes exactly. How did you come to join Exodus? I was uh, I I ended up getting into a band with Tom and Gary just before that uh, called War Dance, and uh, a friend of mine was trying out singing, and I was giving him rides to the tryouts, and I ended up jumping in on bass. Uh, I actually took Mike Butler's spot. Yeah, uh, yeah that's awesome. From that on that one. Good for uh, you. And uh, <laughs> I'll have to find out more about this story. Later. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> when, when I turn this and, uh, off, I'll tell you all about it. Um, and. Uh, yeah, and then that uh, that band just kind of turned back into the the Exodus with the live album. We got Bailoff and, and Rick to come right. back, and uh, and then I've just kind of you know held on to my fucking seat ever since, man. You uh, know? I mean, what was it like? I mean, you jump into Exodus, you know, establish you know one of the four founders of thrash metal, yeah. and then at the time you come in, they get the original madman, Paul Bailoff. Absolutely. Back. What, what was I mean? Was that a whole type of insanity oh, right man, there? It was, yeah, man, it was great. I mean. Like having all those guys back together, you know, like Rick and oh, you, you know, H-team, like yeah. yeah, Rick and everybody. I mean, Rick is every was every bit as crazy as Paul. I mean, like <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, man, like they were all and they were, <laughs> dude. Those guys were fucking trouble back then, man. Like you know, like there was bad drugs going on and you know just everything bad was happening back then. Like and, bad, uh, like you had to pay for them. Uh, like yeah, <laughs> I, I, well, in in more ways than one. Well, believe me. Uh, well, I, I gotta tell you, speaking of trouble with those guys. I saw that tour in Lighthouse, Florida. 
Uh-huh. And Bailoff had a broken foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how'd that happen? Uh, it was actually kind of, it's, it's not really that exciting. It was right after a sound check, and he jumped off the front of the stage and just didn't, just, just quite didn't do it right. And yeah, it was actually one of those where it was like a, it was a twist. It wasn't a break. But the you know where it was like worse than a break, like it was oh, off taken, the stage, yeah. broken my foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was yeah. And he did like fuck. He did, he did like twenty shows on a fucking stool, wow. man. You know. And that was an insane yeah. show. Yeah, because we couldn't go home. Like it was too. It was like like we were just getting off the ground then, man. If we'd have gone home, we wouldn't have never got. We would have never got back out. You know what I mean? Then, you know, like, as as that's going on, you got bail off back. Now you were going to record a new studio album with Bailoff, correct? We were. It, it wasn't like fully like we didn't have like paperwork ready, but that was our plan for sure. Yeah. Right. You know, and then of course tragedy happens, and and, yeah. then, and then Souza comes yeah. back. Yeah. And and what was that like working with him? I mean, yeah, it was good. You know, I mean, you know, like, um, I mean, you know, Bailoff was, you know, Bailoff was, you know, Bailoff was like David Lee Roth. Like, like back in the day, like nice. he was glorious, but couldn't fucking remember the fucking words and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he still was better trouble. than Sammy Hagar. Like, you know, and he was trouble. <laughs> so then like, you know, like Zet, you know, Zet's were always been more of a professional at his role. Right. You know what I mean? Like you give him something to learn, the motherfucker comes back the next day, he's learned it. You know what I mean? Right. And he, he doesn't forget it. You know what I mean? Like right. he's, he's, he's more studious than Paul. You know, everyone. That's why he got the job, and you know what I mean. Like, like way back in the day, like Paul couldn't even remember the songs of Bond by Blood. You know, half a fuck time. You know what I mean? Even though he was raging. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, so, um, you know, like you know, each each person brings their own dynamic into the into the the project. You, you know? recorded an awesome album with it. I mean, Tempo of the Damned. Yeah. I, I was think any was of that written great... while Bailoff was still there? Uh, the riffage, you know, the the riffage is like we never, we never really like write the songs till it's right before time to record. Like the the songs are always hammered out in the time just prior to us going into the studio. Right. So uh, like Gary has his ideas, and then but it isn't until he gets in there with Tom, and they they start playing them and fleshing them out into parts. Because we don't write in the box, like you know, like young kids do. Like we don't, we don't write on the Pro Tools screen. Like it's still, they have to get in the room. He has to play the riff, and Tom has to try out all the different grooves over each riff. You know what I mean? And then they start. Okay, that's good with that, and this is good, and then this piece is with that. This part goes into that. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, like they're they're hammered out old old world style. So, like, like we record them new right. and everything, but like I don't even go in and jam with them when they're writing anymore because I was just getting in the way, you know. Like for the, him to teach me what he's doing and to me learn to it, like it's better to like not they be bring there. It to you and then and you they feel just it. do this and do that and we do and then da, 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 and then like they hammer it all out and then I just fucking I just put icing on it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so, and well, how about uh, the 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 new record? How how far along are you with that? They have, I mean, they worked out like four songs already, but to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if those aren't even songs that end up making it now, because that was like last year, and by the time they get into that room, 
like like usually the the two most barn burning songs Gary brings in like three days before it's time to go into the studio. Oh, wow. Like it's his creative process is blooming and we work on all these songs and then we're like, all right, we got a good album here. And he comes back in and goes, all right, I have two new ones and it's fucking Tempo the Damned or whatever. Like, and then, you know, and that they're, they're literally like the album closer songs, like just fucking barn burners, you know, and then we got to like fucking hurry up and learn them in like three days, you know, and get in there and fucking do it. And, uh, but that's just, you know, that's how it goes. That's how, that's how the creative process works. And, you know, for everybody, it's different. Every group of people, they have their own dynamic. And it's like, you know, if you have a dynamic, you, you let it let it roll, baby. You know what I mean? Like Going back a little bit, I mean, you, you do the awesome, uh, you know, Temple of the Dam album with, with Steve. And then he leaves during it was a South American tour. Right before, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and then you have the Rob Dukes era. Yes, which uh, you know I, I believe was some very strong material and, and, and some good have. albums. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you have do you have fond memories of that era and oh, those totally. albums? Absolutely, man. I think uh, I like Exhibit A. I think is still like my favorite record that I've done with them. Um, yeah. um, Tempo's obviously like great, and the live record's good, but. Like there's just something dark and menacing about oh, about Exhibit A, long, you know these long fucking songs and you know what I mean. Like it, Gary was really kind of into uh, black metal at the time, and you can almost hear like a black, like the, like the dark wings of black metal like enveloping yeah. that you know. Uh, and I just I just I love that record, and I mean like when when Dukes was in the band, we were really vicious, man. Like, it was a real vicious time for the band. Yeah. We had some real fucking vicious shows. Yeah. Where, like, security would leave the building and shit. It got so well, bad. I, I saw know. a couple of them at the Culture Room where you guys... You were at the Culture Room? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Wall of Death, man. That was well, that was the one, man, the yeah. Culture Room. Oh, you're, oh, so that was a special show, that one? Well, remember, like, we got in the fight with the security yeah, team yeah, and yes, all that? Yes, and they, yes. like, left, and then they came back, like like, 30 of them, and came on stage and it was like this it was like it a was, major showdown oh, yeah yeah that was a crazy show yeah insane show yeah so uh anything, you know got something else well uh you know uh are, are you still on on friendly terms with rob i, I mean I, I see you know it was kind of when it first happened you yeah. know there was animosity but it seems yeah. like you, gotta you know, i've seen some close. stuff in the press like you know gary and him have been kind of kinder to each other did you yeah. keep a good relationship with rob yeah i mean at first no I mean, at first he was just really mad and, you know, and it, like it wasn't worth talking at that time, you know, like anything would just kind of turn right. to shit. Um, but, you know, time, time's gone by and we're, everything's, I mean, I don't know, like if everything's cool or whatever, but I mean, he's got on stage with us and, That's awesome. and sang and shit. Like when we did that, uh, we did that residency in the city. Yeah, uh, a couple of years yeah, ago, and everybody that. came. Rick came, and everybody came, and he came, and he got up and he he sang with us and stuff. So, uh, you know, me and him still like, you know, talk comic book shit sometimes over the, you know, over the over the internet and shit like that. So, you know. And now, and now Slayer's giving up, so you finally get Gary back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? But I, I I saw you guys uh, open up for King Diamond in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Amazing show, and um, the other guitar player that was. Craig. Uh, and he's in Heathen too, he's correct? Heathen with Heathen. Lee. Yeah, yeah, with Lee. Yeah, with Lee. And but that was a great show. Like I, I still felt, even though you know it's weird not seeing Gary, you know, yeah. from a visual aspect. Right, right. But I still, I saw an Exodus show. Yeah, dude, you know, yeah, and, and you yeah. got was, you guys. Was Rick there? 
no, 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 no. It's, it's, We've been it's touring with Lee and Greg in the last either. couple of years. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, but you and Tom yeah. and yeah, Zetro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was, you know, that was that was on the uh, Blood In, Blood Out mm -hmm. tour. Mm -hmm. and, oh, God, I wish I would have, you had this awesome tour shirt, you uh, know, with the zombie ripping oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. that shirt so bad yeah, and it yeah. sold out in my size. They didn't have uh, an extra yeah. fat. Yeah. You know, so I, I didn't get that. But I still look on the internet for that. Like, I'm trying to find that particular, because the guy's like ripping the fucking flesh. And, yeah. uh, but it was a great show. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, even though it's sad that, you know, Slayer's coming to an end, it's got to be nice that, you know, finally you get, you know, get yeah. your boy back, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and get ready for a new album and a yeah. new tour. Yeah, he's, he's, he's excited to come back, too. Yeah. Like, he misses us, you know, I mean, he's not. Not, I mean, he loves doing the Slayer thing. Like, who wouldn't he? You know, right. he's like oh, yeah. rocking the earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Hell of an like opportunity. A, you know, thirty more guitars, and you know what I mean? Like, he's right. fucking kicking it. But you know, like he did, he did that. Uh, you know, he's come back and done a couple runs with us, and he misses like his. You know, whenever he's back on the bus with us, and we're all laughing and you know talking shit and having a good time, and then he remembers, you know, like this is his shit, it's his baby, dude. Like we kept his baby alive while yeah. you know while he was gone, you know. So and, and uh, he did a damn good job because, like I said, yeah. it was a great oh, Exodus yeah. show. Dude. Oh, Craig did such a killer. Craig was killer. Yeah. You know, like we love we love Craig and he's fucking he's great. Right on. So so you're from the Bay Area? I'm I grew up in Sacramento, which is right next to the Bay anyway. So yeah, I mean So I you got to witness like those crazy early bonded by blood No, shows? I did not. No, I actually Roofies, didn't. None of that? No, I did not. I oh. was I was just too young. And had just two overprotective. Sacramento. So oh, you were in like man. Tesla pits. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like my parents, like it was, like it, I wasn't going to be sneaking out and going to San Francisco to right. go see shit. You know what I mean? Like my parents were watching me too close. You know? Right on. Well, we want to thank you. Yeah, man. This yeah, was yeah, awesome, man. We're big fans. Either. Right on, man. Yeah. I can tell. You definitely, are, definitely, you man. Guys, you guys had good questions. Uh -huh, and, and check out a band, Thrasher Die, if you get a chance. Everybody, because okay. I'm the singer of the band, Okay. everybody accuses me of being a, a Zetro ripoff. Uh. I personally don't hear it, but give it a shot. Uh, tell I, me I might you. hear a little Zetro in the... Timber of your voice. See, that's how yeah. I sound. That's a little Zetro. <laughs> see, you know, they, you know, they claim him, you know, sound like Zetro. And see, I, I say Zetro ripped off me because I have a band called ACBC, which came before <laughs> his ACDC band. You know, yeah, I think he ripped me off. You know, when Rob left the band, I love Zetro. When Rob left the band, there was a little gap before Zetro came back, and there was a, I mean, a very little buzz of everybody telling Exodus to get me in the band because they sound right? so much like Zetro. And there was a little bit of talk of me too, but that was yeah. just my mother, you know, because she, <laughs> she wanted me to have a job. All right, there you go. I walked out because I had to go interview Michael Sweet and there uh, uh, Ian went off on Michael Butthurt. <laughs> so uh, that was a great interview, right? Yeah, yeah. And he even, you know, uh, I don't know if we got that part uh, on the recording uh, but he said it was the best interview we did. And I'm sure because, I mean, look at all those, the other podcasts are there. And this is no slag on them. But, I, I mean, we, we're the, the metal show, <laughs> you know. I mean, we cover a lot of shit, but, you know, there's nobody there as metal as us. And nobody that owns all the Exodus and has seen Exodus live like us. So and, and, and without even knowing about him, you know you can let loose with him because that fucker dealt with Bailoff. <laughs> yeah and you know as you heard you know he's been there with every singer the longest tenure base he's been there since 96 i believe 95 96 i think uh, it was 97 uh, well that's that, that that's when the live album was released right 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 
but I think it might have been recorded. You know, I think he was in, you know, uh, usually that stuff takes a while to come out. But, uh, you know, just just super nice guy. And he, you know, he could tell that we were true fans just by the questions we had and, and what we were talking about. So, you know, that's got to feel good. Uh, you know, probably other guys are like, oh, you're an Exodus, right? Oh, Toxic Walls. Yeah, can you tell us about uh, the Toxic Walls? Yeah, can you show me it? How, how, <laughs> how was the video shoot for the Toxic Walls? <laughs> Did you, you have know, a lot of problems in Exodus when you released that album cover for Bonded by Blood? I heard there was some uh, controversy there. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, man, what, what what a great guy, and I was very honored to have him as a guest. Yeah, cool, dude. Wasn't he there last year? No. No, this was the first year. All right. Well, he's, in, he's a Nashville boy? Uh, well, he lives there now. He right. lives there now. I, I think he just recently moved there, and that's how Sinzak uh, became aware of him. But uh, yeah, another great thing to bring up, though, we talked about earlier, the band we were supposed to interview first, Wild Side, uh, that got there late, I saw him walking around and I recognized him from a video uh, that Rock and Ron had taken. So I went up to him like, hey, you're the Wild Side guys, right? They're like, yeah. And I was like, man, we were supposed to uh, interview you guys, but you, but you got here late. And he's apologized and he's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. You know, we can still do it. And uh, I gave him, I go, I'd really like to interview you because we got a funny story about how we discovered you and everything. And I just gave like a real quick cliff notes. And the drummer was like, wait a minute. This is the show I was telling you about. He's telling the singer, he's like, these guys are awesome. (laughs) And uh, he said he had listened to the episode multiple times. Nice. And he's telling the singer, he goes, oh, you got to hear these guys. You know, they are something else. He goes, he goes, man, they ragged us where we needed to be ragged. That you know, they said what they liked. It was a really cool uh, interview. He goes, I laughed my ass off, and uh, they were like, hell yeah, we want to do an interview with you. And I was looking forward to doing it just because of the enthusiasm, and you know, it just would have been funny, you know, talking about rock and Ron and everything, and uh, you know, hearing their story. But unfortunately, a lot of the interviews got backed up because you had some people. It seemed like. Uh, the ones that were on a strict schedule were Michael Sweet and Dave Ellison. Right. And, and everybody else was kind of, you know, footloose and fancy free. I think you were allotted like 15 or 20 minutes. 15. But a lot, 15. But a lot of them were running over. And, uh, you know, people were cool. They, they didn't seem to mind. Uh, but it's just, you know, the way it happened. And then towards the end of the day, and they're breaking down and get ready for the concert. But uh, so we couldn't do it. But Chris Sinzak is going to put me in touch with him, and I'm probably going to have him back on the show because they seemed really excited. So that that that'll be fun to have somebody that's uh, you know uh, actually listen to our show, <laughs> you know. So they can't say we didn't warn them. They already know how crazy we get. You know, when I'm done editing this and sending it to you tonight, because hopefully we'll have it up tonight, um, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going back to listen to that one. Because, you know, as my memory of that show is hysterical. Uh, with um, Rock and Ron, like, snorting and shit. <laughs> he was all drunk. And, and his whore ex-wife. <laughs> his whore ex-wife. And every song was his favorite song. And that Oh, yeah. That, that, that's another thing that the, uh, the drummer brought up. He, he kept saying, he, he said that was killing him. Every time Ron would say, that's my favorite song. And, he, and you and me were like, really? That one? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. That song sucks. <laughs> you, know, you know, 
And here it is. Here's the actual drummer of the album we talked about, just laughing his ass off, reciting the episode. Man, it was a really cool feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah that, so, guy, uh, that guy gets it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely gonna have him back on, you know. And, oh, yeah, uh, no, and I have to tell him he isn't very influential. My first band uh, was called Dancing on Glass. <laughs> what the hell does that have to do with the price of eggs in China? What? <laughs> Everybody says rice. <laughs> What's that have to do with the price of eggs in China? Yeah. Ian yeah. figured out what Schmackamaga means. Uh, oh, really? Cool. You know, every time somebody asks me that, I always like, like somebody asked me that at the expo. He said, dude, what does Schmackamaga mean? I go, so when'd you get in? <laughs> How long you been here? And then he would ask again. And I was like, dude, you know what time it is? I don't know. Oh, I always avoid that question. Anyway, so, uh, all right, so I had to leave. And because uh, Michael Sweet, and Michael Sweet was, you know, right there waiting when I ran out. So he was waiting for me. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Yeah. Um, I got everything I wanted to say. A couple things that I forgot to mention. Uh, one thing I really wanted to mention to him was that, remember like 10 years ago, there was that festival with Striper and Slayer and, and, and Slayer pulled out of the festival and Striper was like, we'll do it. You know? Yeah. And I do touch upon how, you know, Striper is probably the most rebellious band of metal because, you know, it's like they're swimming against the tide. You know, it's cool to be, um, you know, uh, you know, satanic or this and that, but look at Dave Mustaine. Dave Mustaine's the guy that says, you know, I will not play with black metal bands. And he gets so much shit for it. When Slayer is like, I'm not going to play with Striper. Nobody says a word. You know what I mean? So I, I think Striper, and I do touch upon that in this interview. I think Striper should get more um, respect for sticking to their guns and saying, fuck you all. You know, we're going to do what we want, you know. And uh, he couldn't have been a nicer guy. He expanded every question I asked. He had great, great, amazing answers. And, you know, at the end of the interview, I said, and I think I kept this part in. I said, dude, you agree with me? This is a killer interview. He's like, yeah, man. So then uh, the, the next morning uh, when I woke up and I went downstairs, you know, there's Sisnak and his, you know, his brother, who, by the way, I love his brother's awesome, dude. Eric. Eric Sisnak is so cool. And uh, so, you know, I'm sitting there talking to him. Then Michael Sweet comes up to us. You know, thanks, uh, Eric. Uh, you know, thanks us all and wants to do it next year. And then uh, and he pats my shoulder and he goes, dude, that was a great interview you gave me yesterday. I was like, right on, man. Thank you, man. So, fuck yeah. Michael, Michael I'll tell Sweet. you what, I, I heard a Michael Sweet interview today, the one that uh, Cobra and Fire did with him. And it was damn good. So I'm really excited to hear this now. Oh, it's great. It's really, really great. And, uh, you know, like I said about uh, yesterday's, uh, well, the last episode where I don't think the interview would have been as good if I was there for kicks, you know, because uh, right. Brian Davis is a fan. Well, you know, Bushy's a fan, so I think, uh, you know, it went, it went really well, you know, the since we're both fans and shit, you know. Right. And I think that's how it should be every year. Go to the expo next year, and if there's a band I don't like or Ian likes and you like them, you'll get to interview them with whoever, which one of us two likes them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we had Tim Bream, we had Vincent coming up with the Erie Vaughn interview, and uh, 
Even though I do like Yuri Vaughn, but I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Well, that was, the, that was the same time you were doing Michael Sweet. Oh, okay. That's why I wasn't there. And that's why we couldn't use the Zoom, because you were using it uh, to do that. So we had to do that one on Vincent Kavanaugh's phone. So uh, letting you know a little pre-spoiler alert, the audio quality on that one might not be the same as the rest of these, but we made best. And, and, and thanks to uh, thanks to Vincent Kavanaugh, or, or we wouldn't even have got the Erie Vaughn. And, and, and we got it on video as well. That will be up on the YouTube page fairly soon. Yes. Yes. You know, as long as, as as well as our live show, which will be on this episode as well. Yes. But uh, what do you say we get into the Michael Sweet? Now this is a what do they call a switch over uh, interview? It's the Bushy Man and what is it? Bushy and Mo- Mountain Man show, right? Praise Jesus! And uh, with uh, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, putting our two cents in. Uh, though I gave Bushy the permission to send it to Michael Sweet through. Through his podcast, because after all, it's only fair. It was his right. interview, you know. Uh, and as you can tell, even though Bushy doesn't think I hog the interview, oh God, do I hog it, you know? But uh, here we go. Here's me and Bushy with uh, somebody I'm a huge fan of, Michael Sweet. He's awesome, and you'll hear what a great guy he is. Here we go. All right, so I'm sitting here with Ralph Vieira and Michael Sweet of Striper Sweet and Lynch. Thank hey you, guys. Thank you so much for being here with us of today. It's a pleasure to be here, man, and honor. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Th- thanks for taking the time. Uh, I, had a, I had a moment to talk with you over there in the signing booth. Huge inspiration. And like I said, I found you because I almost had to in order to listen to metal still on, on, on the Sabbath. In God We Trust, you were telling me yes, about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm so glad you remember that. It, it's still one of my favorite records to this day, so I just had to get that out real quick wow, once yeah. again. But it's interesting because that that's an album, obviously. That was our, our fourth album. Right. And it's it, we, we kept getting a little more slick, you know. By the time we got to that album, it was very slick. Yes. So I'd love to go back and remix that album. But, you know, probably a lot of fans like yourself might not care for that, you know, because there's something to be said for the slickness. Right. right? That, that's so, true. Yeah. But, man, it's a great album. It's got some great songs on it. It really does. Writings on the Walls, uh, one of my favorite songs. Absolutely. You know? I would like to hear a raw version of that. Yeah, I was going to say, if it sounds anything like the last three albums, please go back in and remix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do a, a, like a... a a modern day version of Writings on the Wall because I agree with you a raw version that would be cool absolutely yes I I, I like to say I've I've been with you guys not on Rock's regime yeah because I live in Florida yep Um, loud and clear when I heard on that uh, the metal shop only show with teeth I ran out and bought the EP yep and I've just been following you ever since the first time you guys came to Florida was um yeah, man, way back. 85. Yeah, and then you came with Hurricane a couple times. They yep. toured with you quite a bit, huh? They're still out playing, but obviously not with Kelly. Kelly's with right. Foreigner, Foreigner now. And, uh, you know, sounds amazing with Foreigner. But, yeah, those uh, Hurricane, those are the good old days. We did a lot of shows with Hurricane, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, you guys came back with Hurricane yeah. quite a yeah. few times. We sure did. But uh, one thing that I, always, that I don't think Striper gets enough credit on is that, you know, the whole metal scene in general, yep. you know, when you talk about rebellious, like, you know, satanic bands, yep. and, you know, it's just, you know, I feel Striper has to be even more rebellious than them because, number one, you, you sing, you know, about religion. Yeah, religion, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, 
and not only the metal, like you know, a lot of metal uh, elitists say, but also the Christian community yeah. was against Striper back in the in the eighties, as I remember. Jimmy Swagger even said something, and I believe I could be wrong that you guys were fans of Jimmy Swagger, you know, your family. We were. We came to know God through Jimmy Swagger, believe it or not. So to see that he was holding albums up and and, and telling people not to support us was pretty heartbreaking at the time. But your thoughts on uh, being more rebellious, I've been saying that a lot lately in, in the sense that, you know, it's real easy to swim with the tide. Try swimming against the tide and, and see, how e- how, see how easy it is or how hard it is. It's not easy. And it, it's, we, that's something we've been doing from the very beginning, you know, going, going against the grain and against the tide. Uh, and I tell you, we've been spat on. We've had things thrown at us. We've been booed off the stage. Uh, we've played some pretty interesting shows over the years. But we wouldn't change a thing because that's who we are. And uh, it's been difficult at times, but it's also been fulfilling uh, because we've had an effect, this message, this music, on many people's lives. And at the end of the day, that's more important than the music any time of the day. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing. Like, uh, also, I'd like to touch on uh, Against the Law. Yeah. Against oh, the I'm Law. I'm so glad you brought this album I, up because that's where I wanted to well, go. The, the, you know, what I don't get about it is when people say, well, now they're getting away from God. But if you really listen, I mean, you tell me, you wrote the songs. The songs are still very positive and nothing negative. And it, you, sure, you weren't speaking about God, but you're still, like, morally, you know. I think it was more... During that era, that time period, it was more our attitude. So we took on a different attitude during that time. We really did. We were we we, we were a little nastier. We were we were we had an fu attitude, and and I think that's that was a tough pill for people to swallow. And I understand that. You know, we started growing beards double and like frowning and you know we're tough and it, it just wasn't us. It wasn't us, man. And, you know, it's one thing to have a, a drink. I have an occasional bourbon, but it's a whole other thing to get drunk. Right. We were getting drunk during that period, going on stage drunk, hitting the bar after the show. You know, it, 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 we were crossing the line for sure. And I think a lot of fans could see that and picked up on that. And I could understand, you know, them not supporting that. But I still felt the music was positive. Oh, yeah. No, no. There was some good music on that album. Uh, the thing that makes it difficult for me to support that album 100% is I feel like we became a different band. We should have changed the name of the band. That's my opinion. Now, not, not everyone agrees with me on that. And that's fine. But we went from being Striper and having our own unique sound on In God We Trust to Hell, Soldiers, our own unique look, throwing it all out the window... We lost the yellow and black. We lost the guitar tone. We lost the attitude. We lost the message to a degree. We, it was positive, but we were singing about chicks instead of, you know what I mean? Right, we, right, we were right. a different band. So we really should have changed the name of the band. And maybe that would have made fans happy. I don't know. I did end up seeing you in a little club on Miami Beach on that tour uh, with Trickster. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, tricks are open. Yep. I've, I'm telling you, I've not missed a Florida show. Oh, dude. Hey. I, I no, was... that was a good tour. Trickster's a great band, too. A good guy. Still in touch with them. Steve and I are in touch all the time. Great band. Uh, 
and man, they were just kids back then. Yeah, they were like teenagers, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, I could have sworn they were 17, 18 years old. Oh, yeah, old they were they so started. young. Oh, yeah. yeah, super young. Also, got to say, my not because I'm talking to you, this is the honest truth. The greatest DVD I own is your solo acoustic. Really? Oh, my God. The stories. Oh, wow. Wow. It's just shot so well and performed so well. Oh, good, and man. And when I wow. watch it, I can't watch it just once. And also, I like playing That's amazing. it when I clean my house. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad to hear that, dude. Because, I, I mean, that not a lot went into that, you know, until you, because of that, you, you are kind of counting on the fact that it might not be as good as it should be. It's amazing. So to hear you say that, it's really cool. But you should get good feedback from that? Oh, yeah. I've gotten primarily good feedback, but still at the same time, like I said, because not a lot went into it, I was kind of concerned about it. Like, ugh, is this going to be great? Is it going to be, eh? So it sounds to me like it turned out pretty good. Oh, it was amazing. And your book as well. Oh, good. Thank you, brother. Um, Thank you. Also, like I I, I said this to you briefly yesterday, I've been following you guys since the beginning. I I pretty much love everything. Not everything, but, you know, because when you guys came back, it was really, um, Reborn was more of a solo album. It was. You know? It really um, was. But still, like, I feel, as much as I love that early stuff, I feel my favorite Striper albums are the last three. Yeah. Yes. Do you get that a lot? My, well, those are mine too. Really? Yeah. I mean, I my favorite classic album is Soldiers. Right. There's just a rawness to that album and something special about it. But my favorite uh, albums of all time are probably No More Hell to Pay, Fallen, and Goddamn Evil. Even more so, Fallen and Goddamn Evil. I mean, those. I'm very happy with the result of those albums and the direction we're going in, and we're going to continue in that direction. We're not going to drastically change things. We want to try a little more experimentation, stretch out a little bit more, but still stay true to what we've done the past four or five years. You did a little bit of it on the last time with Ticket to the Cross. We did. I love that. It sounds almost thrashy to me. I'm like, where did this come from? It means like some crazy thrash. And, you know, dare I say a little death metal vocals a little bit a little you know? bit and it's funny because people are like ah oh, until it gets to the chorus it sucks and, and it's I think that reaction comes from the fact that they don't expect that from Striper right. but I mean if it was Priest they'd love it yeah yeah because everyone you, would probably be like oh, I love this I yeah, love the chorus but because right. it's Striper I, I thought that's what stood out the most to me me too when you hear that you're like Yo, this is Striper. That's my favorite part. Hear that? I love it. When the chorus kicks in live, we're like, yeah. It's insane. But you know, it just—it was such a shocker for some fans. They couldn't—they couldn't get into it. Oh, I loved it. And and uh, the Valley is a song that, man, it really doesn't escape. You ever have those days where you just have a song in your head? Oh yeah, man. The Valley is that one. I but, mean, you it know, just that's, sticks to me. It's important, and I miss those old days of the anthems that stick. Yeah. The songs that just really go in and stay in, and The Valley is one of those songs. Oh, it's just, uh, it just sticks to me. Okay. Yeah, and, and that, Sorry, Sorry, too. Sorry's got yeah. that groove, and it's got that melody, and it's fun to play live. It never gets old, at least not yet. The Valley's the same way, Sorry. Uh, so, man, I, I couldn't be more pleased with the direction we're going in. And we got to outdo the last album. Which will be hard. Well, we got to, though. Because you want to keep that momentum going, right? So you don't ever want to regress. Sadly, a lot of bands do because it's really hard. But, man, we got to outdo it. I know we can. Oh, yeah. 
Here's what I'm wondering. Was it a conscious decision? It's like, look, the hair thing's gone. You know, and, and I hate to, to say hair. I, I actually get offended by that. I'll call it glam. I'm okay with glam. Yeah. But that sound is dead in the water these days. Was it a conscious decision to, okay, obviously this is our guitar tone. This is my vocals. You know, this is Striper. But we're going to be a little bit heavier. We're going to be a little bit grittier. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, as the writer, I was when I was writing for No More Hell to Pay. Uh, that's I was, probably my favorite of those. I was listening to Soldiers and to Hell with the Devil. Right. I kept going back to those albums and listening to them because I wanted to come around full circle and, and bring out everything people expect to hear from us and dig deep into our roots and give them that. At the same time, keep some sort of modern spin to it. Absolutely. And that's what we tried to do. Hopefully we pulled it off. And we're going to keep trying to do that, too. Well, you absolutely pulled it off, if you ask me. Because well, I, I, I concur with his opinion. Those last three albums, probably yeah. the best stuff you've ever done. And, I mean, in God we trust, yeah, it's super polished. It's oh, obvious dude. hair. Your, your hair was up to the sky. <laughs> I've also noticed, though, lyrically, um, <laughs> in the early, you know, the 80s, it was Jesus, God. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's kind of like... You you sing about Jesus and God, but without using their names much. Yeah. Was that also conscious? Did yeah, I mean, uh, as a writer, I try to grow, not just with the production and the music, but with the lyrics too. So I dig a lot deeper nowadays when I write lyrics, like pull from you know many different sources, and you know what I try to do too. Like I'll I'll write a word, a line. And then the next line, when I get to the next line, to, to have a rhyme with the word, instead of just a standard rhyme, I'll go to a thesaurus, and I'll look at different words that can be used, syllables and whatnot, and, and, and try, to, try to figure out a way to make that word different. You know, like, you know, reverie. You know, and, and, and back in the 80s, I would have I used some other word that everyone says. So I try to... Try to figure out words as a writer, as a lyricist, that that are different, you know. Uh, and hopefully, I'm accomplishing that, you know. You I, are. But I don't want to get so deep that people can't understand that's, what we're trying to say. That's what I was trying to explain. It's like I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's no different than what you did in the '80s. Exactly. But it's not so blunt. Right. You know what I'm saying? In the '80s, it was very simple. Yeah. We are here to rock, and rock is what we'll do. Come rock, on, rock, rock, rock. Come on, rock. You know. So we're, their lyrics are a lot deeper now, but not so deep that they go over your head. Right. Because a lot of lyrics do go over my head. I mean, I'll, I'll hear them and I'm like, well, I can't relate to that. And I want them to be relatable. Right. Something I'm very excited about, uh, 10. Yeah. Uh, is it, it's, it's done? It's done. Uh, first song comes out next Tuesday called Better Part of Me with Jeff Loomis of Arch Enemy oh, soloing, yeah, shredding. Mind. It's a killer song. It's like a very Iron Maiden. Very Maiden and very heavy. Very cool. Uh, the album comes out October 11th. I've got a duet on there with Todd Latore of Queensryche. I've got Andy James on there, Gus G, uh, Tracy Guns, Joel Holkstra, Ethan Broch. There's a, a, a different guitar player on every song. Wow. Playing it solo. I'm playing all the rhythms. I'm doing a few solos, but I got a different soloist on every song. I love the last one. The last one. Well, if you love the last one, you should 
really love this one. Because the last one was like much heavier than the oh, other yeah. oh, yeah. solo album. Oh, yeah. But this one's just as heavy as the last one. Mm-hmm. But it goes up a level in all the different guitar players, which is really cool. You know, uh, and there's definitely some Priest and Maiden influence on it, on this album. Big time. Wow. Little Van Halen influence. Nice. I heard a little Van Halen in Bizarre. Oh yeah, no, you'll hear you'll hear that on this on this album. There's a song called Shine. It's got a little Van Halen thing, uh, and then Better Part of Me is it's got a Maiden thing. Lay it down has a very da 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 very priest, total priest. It's a great album. I'm very excited about it. I hope people get as excited about it as I do when they hear it. I want to let people know, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Michael. For vinyl collectors. Who wants to win surprises? No more how to pay. Fallen goes for hundreds of dollars now. Yeah, yeah. Get it when it's new. So get the new Michael Sweet when it's new, the next Striper. No no title yet for the next Striper? Uh, Not for Striper. Not yet. No. You guys in the writing process? I'm not yet. I'll, I'll start working on riffs this month, like a riff and a groove. And I'll get probably 11 or 12 of those on my phone to get a good start. And then in November and December, I'll really hit hard the writing. I'll go in a room every day and write a song. The guys will come out in January. We'll start learning everything. We'll start recording in January into February, take a break for some shows, and then I'll come home and finish vocals. And the album will be done by May. Turn it in by May, and it'll come out next year, probably uh, August, September. I believe the same time frame was for the same with Goddamn Evil. Yeah, we started late in the year, and it came out. It's pretty much the best time for us to do it: January, February, March. That's the window. Any album, solo, Sweet and Land, Striper. That's just the best time because it's a dead time to tour, right? So it's the best time to record. And we record in mass, so it's snowing. You got the fire going. You bunker down. You can really fo- we Where we record, we live there and we eat there. So we go track all day, have dinner, go to bed, wake up, eat breakfast, and go track. Was it the same place you did the last one? Because I, I, I recall seeing a video yep. of a hot tub. Yep. And it was very that's, cold. That's the place. Wow. It's amazing. Where's that located? That's in Northampton, Mass. And we've done like 12 albums there. Striper, Solo, and Sweet and Lynch. It's insane. It, we love it. Will there be another Sweet Lynch? I don't know. I don't know. Were you talking about something with Hulkstra? Yeah, I want to do. I want to do an album with Hulkstra. Now on this new album, there's two songs we co-wrote together, and he's playing guitars on, and they're really different. They're cool. More, a little more Zeppelin-y, White Snake-ish. Very cool. Yeah, and he's such a great player. I'm taking, I'm taking away all the questions. Got anything? You, you are fine. You are fine. I want to know, what's it been like adding Perry to the lineup? Oh, man, we love Perry. He's brought so much to the table. He's such a nice person. Brought a lot of peace to the band. And he's a phenomenal bass player and singer. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's really amped things up and took us to a new level in terms of locking in and the vocal harmonies. He's an amazing singer and an amazing player. Really. Boston. Oh, my gosh, dude. He's so so good. So good. The, the, the band. Yeah. Yes. How mind-blowing. I'm sure, yep. like, the first and Don't Look Back were, like, 
the soundtrack of your youth. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. It's a perfect album. Yeah, of course. I mean, joining that. Yep. I mean, how insane was that for you? Oh man, dude. I mean, you know, it was it was really surreal. It felt like a dream. Standing on stage, playing these songs, singing these songs, looking over, and there's Tom. It was wild, because that was a big, that played a big role in my, uh, you know, advancement as a musician, as a, a, a tone master, trying to get the best tone as a singer. Phenomenal. And it also shows your dedication to Striper, because that's yeah, you had that choice. Right? Yeah, I did, and I, I left Striper. Boston. I left Boston to. And put everything in the striper because striper is my priority. And a lot of people have come up to me and said, "What are you crazy? You left Boston? What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Well, nothing. No, you just got to do what you got to do." Yeah, exactly. Striper is your band. Of well, course. All four. Striper, striper is my band, man. My 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 baby and priority. And it's like, of course, I'm going to do that and focus on that. Now, someday, maybe maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll be focusing on something else down the road. I really don't know. Uh, Lord willing, hopefully not. Hopefully Striper has many more years. Many more albums like the last one. Hopefully. That'd be great. Well, Michael, it's been an honor. I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan for 30-somewhat years. Yeah, that's amazing. And this is our, Good to meet you. You guys are awesome. You guys I appreciate are awesome. it. And I hope you thought this interview was killer. It was great. It was great. I can't wait to like hear it. When's it going to be up? Um, I'm on your Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Put it up and, you know, tag me in it, and I'll, I'll get it up, too. All right, guys. You guys are Thanks a lot. I appreciate you again. Thank you. God bless. So there you have it. Michael Sweet. What a fucking awesome dude. Uh, a great, great interview. That was a big highlight for me. You know I mean? I was, uh, you know, I liked uh, Toby Ryan. I like all these people, man. But, you know, you know, uh, Case B uh, said, uh, I'm a bigger Striper fan than everybody that we interviewed. So it was great. And I want to give a big thank you to Bushy for letting me join in and uh, check out his, episode, his uh, podcast. He re- he interviewed uh, that dude that was in Kid Rock and stuff, and and I'm waiting for it to come up. Uh, he said it was a really good interview, so I look forward to that. So uh, big ups to Bushy. Yeah, and I, I just want to say, uh, you know, I I had to do it because <laughs> I, I got it. It did bother me a little bit. You didn't want to interview him with me, but we didn't end up getting him anyway for our show. But I just had to say something, to Michael Sweet, because I've heard he's kind of a cool guy, and I, and I went up to him right before your interview. And I said, look, <laughs> I'm not supposed to interview you because I, I would be insulting. But I just want to say uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan. But what, what I heard you do with Boston, you blew my mind. And uh, I, I was real honest. I go, when I first heard it was going to be you, I was like, ah, this ain't going to work. I go, man, you did an incredible job. And you really honored, you know, what Brad Delp did before you. And he couldn't have been nicer. You know, he didn't act like, oh, you know, you, you, you didn't think I'd be great. No, he's like, hey, man, I just went out there. I did what I did. And. And, I, and he was, he's like, I'm really glad, you, you know, you thought I did a good job. And super nice guy, super nice guy. And I would like, we get him next year. I'd like to interview him, man. Maybe I'll, I'll do some more striper research, man. Cause he, the other interview I heard today, man, he was a really cool cat and, and doesn't seem like he shies away from anything either. So and I like you know, that. You know, if, uh, man, listen to the last three albums. They may sing about God and Jesus, but they don't name them by name. Right. And I, as you heard, I said that in the interview. It's like your lyrics now is not so blunt, you know, because in the 80s it was Jesus, God, he, Jesus, God. And now they, 
you know, they still talk about Jesus and God without saying their name and just using different, you know, lyrics. And and I really love those last three albums. And I look forward to the next one that uh, he's starting to work on now. And I yeah. got to say, man, that new song, oh, my God, I forgot what his name. Dude, you got to check it out. That's Jeff Loomis. It's amazing, it- dude. I heard one song they played. Uh, it's it's from the new solo album. Yeah, yeah, it's solo. Uh, that's out. They yeah they played that on uh, Cobras and Fires after the after their interview. I gotta say, I wasn't that big a fan of it. I mean, just being honest. Wow, you know? better, better part of me that song. I, I couldn't tell you because I think I listened to a little bit bit of it, and I'm just being honest. I fast forward to check out the next interview. Wow, it was to me. It sounds like Iron Maiden meets Priest. Oh, maybe I gotta get. Maybe I'll listen to the full thing. Give it another chance, yeah, or or, may, another or chance. maybe it, it might not have been from that. They might have just picked something else because I know they played some other songs after interviews that weren't necessarily well. Uh, when did current. You, you heard this yesterday? No, no, today, today. But, but what Cobras and Fires did is, is they played. They, they, their first show was all the interviews, and then after the interview, they played a song by that artist. Now this could have been a Striper song. It could have been an older song. I don't know what well, whatever they played. It just it, it didn't really grab me. Well, this song was released yesterday. So. Okay, so I don't know what. You, yeah, it could have been an old one because you know they talked to Toby Wright yeah, and they played. I, I am kind of an old Allison Chains. I am kind. Of, I would be kind of surprised you wouldn't like that song because yeah. it's it's awesome. Well, the one they played didn't sound anything like Maiden. I'll tell you oh, that. Oh yeah, so. it was total. It's Maiden meets Judas Priest and even hits those high notes and. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't that song then. It wasn't that. It was definitely a smoking tune, and I pre-ordered the album yesterday. That, that That's your homework today, because you need to check out Covers and Fires anyway. Go check it out, and you tell me what song it was. No, and I plan on, and, you know, after hanging out with those guys, they were so cool. I, I, I plan on, like, like listening to, like, you know, all, all their episodes, really, you know? They're great. Great yeah, bunch of guys. Cool-ass guys, man. They're fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, Baco just, uh, he texted me today, as a matter of fact. And said that he was driving his his uh, his wife made him drive around and take her to do errands. And he said they're listening to uh, our episode in the car. He goes, "Oh, I'm gonna get laid tonight for sure." <laughs> Why? Why? We said something nice about him. Uh, I don't know. I said, "Well, you might, but probably not from your wife if you're making her listen to us." <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, we did we did say nice things about him, so. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and uh, we will st- we will say more nice things because we're gonna recap, you know, the Sisnak party and everything, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe Mrs. Baca was a, is a star fucker, and all it took was you know for the podcast kings to acknowledge her husband, and now she sees him for the superstar he is. Maybe that's what happened. Hey, we should pig roast her. <laughs> oh. Why? It's not a- Andrew Jacobs' wife. Baco's got a nice wife. And by the way, pig pig roasting does not mean the girl's fat. Pig roasting is one in the back, one in the front. You know, that's I'll, Chinese finger cuffs. I'll take the mouth. <laughs> I'll take a mulligan. It's my buddy. I'm just kidding, there, Cobras and Fires. But hey, honestly, if I'm ever dumb enough to get another girlfriend, you can bang her. I wouldn't care. You and Ian can pig roast her. Alrighty. Right on. All right. So uh, while I'm doing this interview that you just heard, uh, Vincent and uh, Ian uh, interviewed Erie Vaughn. Yeah. And uh, I was a little worried about this one because uh, Erie was not feeling good that day. Uh, he had been up since very early in the morning. Uh, 
his wife had had an accident and she wasn't feeling good. So he was taking care of her. He wasn't feeling good. Uh, Erie has back issues. So, I mean, it's a long day of sitting there. And, and I, I know that can't help. But he was, once the interview started, he was a consummate professional and answered every question. And you never once got the, okay, guys, wrap it up. Can you hurry it up? He, he We could have went another 20 minutes. I mean, he was just super, super nice. And I was like, so, so excited to be doing it with Vincent Cavanaugh. You know, Vince got, you know, the Danzig logo tattooed on his arm. You know, that, he's not fucking around. He was there. He was at the very first Danzig show. Yeah, he told when, me that. When they performed as the Danzig band, you know. And, uh, you know, Vincent's a very interesting guy who has an amazing history. And, he, you know, he lives in L.A. now. But, he, you know, he's a, you know, New Yorker born and raised. And he was around Lemoore's and all that, you know, debauchery. I mean, plus... The kid's like a Dick Clark, man. I, I call him a kid, but I mean, he he looks like he's in his twenties, you know. And uh, but he's not, <laughs> you know. And he's he's seen some amazing shit over his years, and he did a great job interviewing Erie with me. And uh, I hope you guys can make most of this out. And he told me he already shared just pictures alone on a, on a Danza webpage, and he says I'm going to put up links to this podcast and. Uh, you know, he was very excited about it, man. And the people on the page, like, it was blowing up on this Danzig page because people couldn't believe, you know, we were interviewing Erie. Right. So so we might we might get some new listeners. And you know, we, uh, we do have a Danzig episode, and I know we're going to have more. We've done Danzig. We've done Sam Hain. And I, I know we got a Misfits one coming up. So plenty of stuff here for you dancing kids that's right dancing kids and anybody out there that was like ah fuck he's interviewing michael sweet uh kiss my big black ass enjoy here's ian and uh vincent interviewing erie vaughn here we go brother we appreciate you here this is, uh, we're recording this for the rock and metal combat podcast um uh, i got to meet you last year as a matter of fact i was the guy that was wearing the dress and painted up like benny vincent and it was open. I was talking to you at your table, and you're looking at me like everybody else is like, "What's up with this guy?" And I thought it was so great. You and me had like a nice conversation. Not once you're like, "What's wrong with this guy?" Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it depends. Well, I, I see. I, I didn't. I was sober at that one too. And it's a long day when you ain't got no buffer. <laughs> you know. And they had horrible chairs. My back was killing me because we were at those folding metal chairs or whatever. Oh, last year. Or yeah. the wood chairs. That's one of the things I said. I said, maybe we, we can have some comfortable chairs this year. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it's definitely, you know, it, uh, the Rocket Pod is growing year and year. This is definitely much bigger than last year. And, uh, you know, it's thanks to people like you that, you know, coming in here, giving your time. Meeting, meeting the fans, a lot of people excited. Your history with Danzig, your history with Sam Hain. Is that how you pronounce it, or is it Sam Wild? Salwin. Salwin. Yeah, but Sal- nobody says that, so we just let we right. just say Sam Hain. Like, like, does Danzig get pissed though if you say Sam Hain? Does he like? No, know? not at okay. all. It, it's it's too <laughs> confusing for people. But we used to get do shows early on, and somebody would go, "Which one of you is Sam?" <laughs> <laughs> Be like, oh, and he didn't make it this time, <laughs> you know. Like that Pink Floyd, which one's Pink? Yeah. Same thing. Like, I mean, you had a you know illustrious career. I mean, I mean, what you did behind the scenes with Misfits, doing doing photography and everything, and then become part of Sam Hain, Sanwa. I'll never pronounce that shit right. 
But, you know, and then Danzig, I mean, those are some legendary albums that still stand the test of time. They, and, they uh, still don't play us on classic rock, but I hear Metallica on classic rock, and we're just as old as they are. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But I, I, th- I think in, in the metal circles, though, those are records that are still very fondly upon. I, I think so, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't really, you know, I don't, I got to, you know, answer questions all day long on the computer and stuff. People always, they're always misinformed. I got to straighten them out. But, like, I could, I could spend eight hours on the computer just answering questions. So I, I, I just don't go on for, like, a day or two and just, like, right. just, like, too much. Yeah. Well, just just for a little peace of mind, you know. Right. But I, I think there was something, I, I mean, definitely very something unique with Sam Hank, because I think that was the next step up from the Misfits. I added a whole other element, the next evolution. And then you get to, to Danzig, which, I mean, to me, that was... I put that original Danzig band up with the original line of a Black Sabbath. I mean, I really think, you know, Chuck Biscuits, yourself, John Christ, and I mean, you had something special. Yeah, well, I always thought so. Yeah, but I mean, it, it it was something real in an era where you're surrounded by fake. I mean, you're surrounded by, like, Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood, all this. We were in L.A. during that whole strip thing. It was the Guns N' Roses had just gotten big. And then there was a million other bands with big hair, right. you know, and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, we hated all that. Yeah. We, right. yeah, we couldn't stand it. I liked bands like Circus of Power from New York. Yeah, they were you know, yeah. And they were, like, all bikers and tattooed. Yeah. And, you know, we were like, yeah, we like you. Or I did anyway. You know, I, I remember the first time I, I got to see you live was on uh, the Danzig 3 tour at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. You opened up for... Uh, Black Sabbath on the Dehumanizer tour, right. and I'm like, what a what what a lineup, though. But I mean, that that original lineup of Danzig, that's something, you know. I don't know what Danzig is willing to admit, but all the fans know, you know. There's there's the first four albums, and then there's everything after, and, and nothing. You guys had had a chemistry and a sound and a purity. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, but. But your history goes back farther than, than anybody else in the band because your involvement, you know, with the Misfits, being well, a, a well, founding member of Sam Hain. Well, Chuck was playing since he was 12. He was actually in DOA, and he was going right, on Canada, tour yeah. when he was 12. And John was just a club player, and, of course, Glenn had done, you know, all the Misfits stuff. And it was easier for us to book gigs because he had already gotten everybody's phone number from the Misfits touring days. So we got... We got to play bigger places and, you know, just fuck shit up. Those early shows, since I was at the City Garden show, that was absolutely brutal. It was pure raw power that was coming out of these guys. And I remember, I was telling Erie earlier that I was right at the bottom of your base getting all these boots on my head protecting my girlfriend, but I'll never forget that show. It was just so raw and, you know, out of control. I loved yeah. every minute of it. That was fun. That was when... We, we first got, like, a tour manager, and um, I, I made, like, laminate passes. You know, I just went and made them at, like, Kinko's or something. So we had, like, one security guard, and we had really not much crew. I can't remember if we had crew or not. But, yeah, I remember that show. It was, a, all of a sudden, it was apparent. We went from Sam Hing playing maybe a couple thousand people to like all of a sudden everything just blew up you know compared to that you know i was like wow this is like you know 
like the big time. It's going to be the big time. And then you guys also had the MTV videos happening. You had the mother video going in full rotation. It was heavy rotation. It was a lot of a lot of exposure at that time too. It was like yeah, a good timing. Some of it, you know. They didn't play all the good stuff. You know, like they wouldn't play It's Coming Down, which had nothing, but it was like a sex dungeon, oh. and it was all weird shit. Oh, I got the DVD at the VHS. Yeah, yeah, that that, too. yeah. Oh, man, I remember playing the video on the bus for some of the crew guys that were, at the beginning, were all on the same bus. And our, our uh, lighting guy was in his bunk watching the video out, you know, on the TV. He goes... Oh my God! I'm in a homo band. Or I, I worked because there was like no chicks, and it was a bunch of like, and that was the director's thing. He put in all these cuts that we didn't even see, and filmed this stuff before we got there. But I thought it was great, and then we just did a performance version, which was just was that's the only one I played. You know, we didn't get enough, we didn't sell enough records at that time. You know, well, we eventually got there. Well, when when the original Danzig band first broke down, uh, I know Chuck Chuck was the first to leave, and then you got, in my opinion, a great drummer, but a different drummer in Joey Castillo. Oh yeah. Um, fond memories of him, or was it just it fucked up the dynamic too much? How do you look at that that tour? Well, you know, we recorded that record with Chuck, so the next tour. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, Not too bad. And then we had a tour with Joey, and uh, um, John and I taught him all the songs, like, for a month. It was just rehearsal, him learning the songs. And then Glenn would come down or call me and say, how's he doing? I'm like, yeah, you can come down and check it out, you know? And it was fine. He's a different drummer. And he's a good drummer and a really nice guy. Yeah. He didn't like mayonnaise, I remember that. <laughs> I used to chase him around with like package of mayonnaise. And he'd be like, ah. But yeah, he was real good and I mean he's still playing. He plays with a lot of people or has. Yeah. yeah. So he's Queens of the Stone Age is a, is a great band. Oh, the, the band before that was co- called Caius. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, that? oh yeah, Caius. They they opened up for us like early on, and they were all like little kids. Yeah, you know, and they didn't have a sound man, so our sound man volunteered to mix their set like every night, and that was real cool, you know. And they were a good band. Yeah, I, I actually I saw you on the, on the Ford tour as well. Oh yeah, with, with Joey and. You know, and I met Joey, you know, years later, very, very nice guy, but it was a different dynamic, you know, and there was just, you guys, I mean, I mean, that was just something amazing, and I mean, towards the end, is it, is it something like, like the four of you together, or was it just straight up Danzig shit, you know, I mean, I mean what, what, what brought this, like, amazing band that had an incredible sound to an end? I don't know, the first record, the songs were... Half of them were already written for Sam Haynes, the last record. Right. And then we wound up using them for something else. So since the band was, like, brand new because we got Chuck and John, we just, you know, he would say, okay, I already got this song, you know, these songs or whatever. So we just played whatever he wanted. And as it progressed, we had more input. And, and the song, it got actually easier because we re- rehearsed, say, three, four times a week. 
and Glenn would only show up one time. So we had to work out the set and everything, and then Glenn would come down and you know and sing and go, okay, that sounds good. You know. That was. Did he, did he give you guys songwriting credits, or was that something he always kept everything in? Yeah, in well, that was from day, day one with the Misfits and Sam Hain and stuff. But, I mean, I, I wasn't writing songs till till um, somewhere in Danzig, you know, 88, 89. And they weren't as good as Glenn's, so I never said, hey, I want to do one of my songs. Well, my whole thing I mean, that's something that's very important when you're in a band because anybody knows, you know, it's, you know, who, especially when people bought albums. Yeah, publishing you know, is publishing, where all the money is. Publishing's everything. You know, when the tour's over, the publishing still pays. Yeah. But to me, when, when you have a band, you know, somebody could come up with the nucleus of a song, but you add, everybody adds their own distinct Yeah, exactly. Play. Everybody throws something in, and that's right. why so, the band mean, hasn't sounded the same since. But I, I believe there yeah. should be, you know, credit given. Like, you know, I, I laugh when I see, you know, and, Totally different band than fucking Danzig, but like Twisted Sister. Everything's, you know, credited to D. Snyder. Like, you tell me, you show this guy how to play this guitar lick and how that, you know, it's, yeah, somebody can have an idea, but you need to spread that shit out, you know, and. and yeah, yeah. It, well, I always think of typo negative because Pete and Josh wrote most, most of the songs, and Pete gave everybody uh, publishing. He gave them like maybe you know five percent or two percent, but it was something, right? You know, and I thought I always liked him for that. Yeah. So a lot of fond memories of uh, a lot of different bands. Like you were telling me earlier about Metallica. Uh, who were some of the other people you spent a lot of time with in those early days? Because you had a lot of great stories. Well, I got to be friends with uh, White Zombie, and I used to hang out with Rob when we lived in L.A. and stuff. Go to the movies. Eat dinner and stuff. Um, I wanted to hang out with Soundgarden, but they would always leave after their set, so I couldn't do that, you know. And we had a lot of other bands that were like opening acts, but you know, like Marilyn Manson. I couldn't hang out with them because they were doing a lot of coke, and and, and they had they were like, you know, abusing women and shit. And I had a girlfriend, so I couldn't. I, I didn't even bother going in there. And then, it, then, then there was, uh, you know, corn. They were too young and too different for us, so we didn't hang out, you know. But I remember going to a thrift store and buying Twiggy, the bass player for Marilyn Manson, a couple of dresses for him to wear on stage <laughs> because he he had a, he, he wore a dress on stage, <laughs> you know. We didn't get the right size, but he he appreciated the gesture. You know? And of course, typo negative. I got to watch them for a month straight, and Pete used to change the lyrics and use, you know, use my name instead of Jesus Christ looks like me. He would say, Yerevan looks like me. And they would do like, he would start like a cover song. Like they, one, one day, Pete started playing Light My Fire, and he just did it with the bass, and he did like a verse and a chorus, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, I was just like, this is so great. That was a real pleasure. And then we had the Genitorchers. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was very interesting. <laughs> I've seen them at the Limelight back in the day. Yeah, and that was, you know, that was different. You know, and then we, we did like five shows with Slayer, which was it tough opening for Slayer, but we won people over. You at the Felt Forum for that Slayer show. Were you, you were an opening for one of them? that show. Yeah. Where they wrecked it. Where after when Slayer came on they destroyed 
everything. And they, they couldn't play there anymore. Oh boy. <laughs> I signed a guitar too. Nice. I signed a couple of guitars. I never uh, I never signed guitar. Are you still in touch with um, some of the older band members? Not really. You know, everybody lives in different places and you know, I, you can never get a hold of Chuck and uh, John's you know, teaching guitar and stuff. And, you know, Glenn's doing all his stuff, you know. I still talk to Doyle and Jerry from the Misfits, you know. I called Jerry, like, as soon as I heard they were going to play the garden, you know. He's like, yeah, it's great, it's great. <laughs> you just give away your oh, What a CD. Your underwear. Yeah. yeah, I know, it doesn't get a lot of, you know, it doesn't get a lot of call for that anymore. But. Do you, do you ever envision like there might be you know a Danzig like the original lineup do anything? Nah, not, a, not a chance. Now I think Chuck's retired, and John said, "Oh, I'm ready to go after years and years of not even wanting to acknowledge the band." But it'll ne- it would it'll never happen. Plus, I can't go out and play like that anymore. My back's too fucked up. I couldn't travel. I can't go and play, do that show that we used to do anymore. I'd have to stand there, and that's not cool. I, that'd be like ripping the audience off. I, I mean, do you, do you feel a little, like could could there be like a writing music? Do you, you know, like maybe just an album or? Yeah, Glenn doesn't need us. He's had like 20 guys in the band. You know? Yeah, but it never sounded like that. Though. Yeah, but he don't care. You know, I mean, he he digs what he's doing, and that's fine. You know, you know, I'm not gonna complain about it. It's like you know, a lot of, a lot of water's been on, gone under that bridge. You know, so do you, you ever talk to Glenn at all? No, no. Is that like? Don't want to, or just have it have it happen. Well, he don't want to talk to me. Oh shit! Yeah, that's why I haven't gone to any of the new Misfits shows. Well, the reunion shows. And Doyle goes, "Oh, come on, it'll be fine." And I was just like, "No, it won't." Man, well, that's unfortunate, man, because you guys, you guys had a really unique band, and uh, you know when. People open up the history books. Those albums are still very well appreciated. Yeah, it, it meant so, a lot to me. Yeah, look at this it guy. It meant right a lot to me. Yeah, well, and see, also, after all this time, it wouldn't sound the same. You know, like, we could play the songs, but, it, it like, the chemistry probably wouldn't be there anymore because it'd be like one of those bands like Aerosmith or somebody who they all hate each other, but they still go on tour for 30 years. Right. So it probably wouldn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, that's you guys were so real. Yeah, that's something you don't want to mail in. I guess it's better leaving it left what it was, but it, it's something I definitely miss, and I think a lot of other other fans miss. But uh, I mean, we remember it, and I remember your contributions. I still listen, you know, to the Sam Haynes, to, to the Danzig albums, and, and, and I, I keep up with Danzig this day. But it's like I never get that magic back, you know. You would have you loved this though. I saw him a couple years ago in New Orleans, and, and, he, and he comes out and he's he, you know, he's got the mic and he's whipping around. You know, he's doing that dancing and shit, and he fucking steps right on the court, falls back, and eats shit. You know, and if there's somebody who doesn't want to fall on their ass, it's dancing. You know, but that's the first thing he does, like, and then fucking eat shit. Everybody laughs, but 
you know, poor dancing. You don't have a sense of humor. I think we were gonna do something. One of the one of our techs or Chuck's brother uh, Bob, he used to do his drums. We were gonna because we they would just lay the mic on the drum drum riser or whatever, and somebody came up with the idea is we're just gonna tape take the cord and tape a big dildo to it. So when he'd come out and he'd go. <laughs> that would have been the end of the show right there. I don't think we ever did it. No, nobody had the, nobody had the balls. Yeah. You gotta fuck with the boss sometimes. Um, well Erie, thank you so much, man. Uh, I really appreciate your time and you know it, 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 it means a lot. And it means a lot to the expo that, you know, second year you coming out, you do draw a lot of people. A lot of people excited to see you know, your, your artwork, you know, to see the pics, the pictures, everything. It means a lot. It helps this shit grow. And uh, says so, a lot about your character that you're willing to give your time for this. And I want to thank you, brother. Thanks. I'm glad they asked me again. Yeah. You know, and it's everybody's been really nice, you know. So that helps a lot, too, you know. Except I didn't get any food. I was at a struggle to get water, you know. I haven't ate in two days. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I ate yesterday. <laughs> well, brother, I, I, I know you don't feel well, so go home, get yeah. some rest, man. Thanks so uh, much. I hope your wife feels better. And again, thank you for your time. You're, you're welcome. These are some of the passes. Oh. Wow. This is from White Zombie. I still got, I bought the stickers off you last year. I got them on my, on my record player. I love this Sounded like a Sam Hain record to me. That makes that makes me feel so much better because I thought this was like what a step up. Like as, as much like the first one's classic. Danzig two I thought was next level. Dan uh, three. Don't get me wrong, I loved it, but some stuff it seemed a little overproduced. And four, but four was like this is this is like four going a, the next level. Four had a groove to it. Oh yeah, definitely groove. Oh. And I liked it from day one. Glenn and I were the only ones that really understood what was going on. Oh, man. Oh, and now it's complete, dude. It's still the old cardboard. Yeah, I got some of those. I got my old thing, too. Man, okay, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much, man. I'm going to try to find the car. All right, there you go. Erie Vaughn with uh, Ian and Vincent. Yeah, and uh, oh, it was so awesome. He signed my copy of Danzig 4. And that's something Vincent told me to leave to the end because he heard, like I've heard a couple rumors that he was not a fan of that album. Wow. And Vincent, Vincent's like, ah, maybe, you know, maybe bring it up at the end just in case. And so when I knew we were wrapping it up, you know, I was like, hey, man, would you sign this? He's like, yeah, man, no fucking problem. And then I was like, uh, I, I go, is it true you're not really a fan of this album? And, you know, he even says in the interview that you just heard, you know, every time he goes on the Internet, he's constantly, you know, having to debunk all these myths about him and, and Danzig and stuff. And he goes, no, I love Danzig 4. He goes, shit, that's that's our Sam Hain record. That's one of my favorites. 
And I was like, oh, man, thank God, <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's my second favorite Danzig album after two. Yeah, yeah same I even, here. I even liked it after uh, How the Gods Go, and I love that album. Yeah. yeah uh, it's a great album. So, so that made me feel real good that he, that he agrees with me, that that is definitely an underlooked album. Um, but while we're recording, <laughs> towards the end, Bushy comes up and tries to talk to me. And I'm just looking at him like, motherfucker, I, I love you, but I am talking to Erie Vaughn. But what he was trying to say is they were waiting for us. <laughs> we're running late to go do our live show. Oh. Uh, oh, what was that? Some car out there in the street, and I'm on the fifth floor. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was the blimp for Black Sunday. No, nah, I'm a little gassy. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, so we're running late for our own event, which the great Aaron Camaro... Man, did he hype us up or what? <laughs> that guy's a hype machine, man. Yeah, he was. He was like fucking Flavor Flav up there. That guy's telling awesome. It, telling everybody, man, they better check this shit out. And uh, so as we wrapped it up, oh, another thing I want to say about Erie Vaughn real quick is he was selling a lot of merch and personal artwork and shit like that. Well, he had two classic era uh, Danzig posters. And he goes, I don't even want to fucking pack this shit back up. He's like, you know, you guys are real fans. Take them. They're yours. And I, I was like, whoa. You know, I let Vincent have both of them. Wow, that's and, super uh, cool. Yeah, man. And, and he, he signed them for Vincent, you know? That How the Gods Kill poster I do own. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, just what, what a classy guy, man. And, uh, you know, to be that cool when he was in so much pain and a long day, uh, you never would have knew it, you know, once the mic started rolling, man. Real good guy. Right on. Well, now is uh, our live show. Now, got to give a special thank to Vincent because he, um, he was kind enough to record it. Man, I took my video camera and I did not record a frame the whole time I was there because I, uh, I forgot to take my tripod. And it's extremely difficult to film anything without a tripod, you know? So... My, my camera remained in the bag the whole time. Though I could have recorded our live show. I didn't think about it. I forgot it up in the room. But Vincent came through. So, you know, Vincent uh, Vincent uh, took over for uh, Scott Stein this year. Got to yeah. give him the VIP. Oh, hell yeah. You got to no give Vincent. Yeah, because uh, he, he recorded the interview with Erie Vaughn, which, you know, that yeah. interview you just heard, you will see on YouTube. Yeah. And there's a couple things he sent me. The, the Dave Elfson interview. Uh, all that will be up on, on YouTube in the near future. And this, what you're about to hear, uh, our live show and a big, uh, a big, a big fucking, uh, kudos to Mr. TikTok man who really, uh, was just, <laughs> I mean, he, he made this in, insanely awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It would no, it would be nowhere near as good without TikTok. Man. Oh yeah. TikTok had the great questions. <laughs> yeah, he did. And uh, questions that when we answered, the place like erupted. Yeah, and it and it was you want to talk about night and day from the first year. You know, the first year we got up there, and you know all these other you know shows. You know they got signs and merch and all this stuff. And you know for it's just well, it is every year. It's just me and Ralph with the computer. We 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 don't do all that shit. We're too lazy. Yeah, but that's gonna <laughs> but, change next year, hopefully. We'll have some shirts and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, that that's a for sure. We will. But uh, but you know, we got on stage. We did our thing, and you know, we had our listeners there the first year. 
we, we had it, you know, respectable. I mean, especially if you look at other podcasts as far as who had fans travel, you know. Uh, but we got up on stage and just like everybody but our listeners and uh, Ken Mills hated us <laughs> for the most part. Uh, you know, really, we just pissed everybody off. And it was nothing we did intentionally. We just needed to wake the fucking place up because it, it was really, you know, it was mellow. And if you want to be a mellow motherfucker, you better get the fuck out, you know? Yep. We, and we, and uh, when we started, there was like, what, maybe 10 people in the room? Yeah, yeah. We, we, had, we had a decent crowd for the, for the room, more than I saw for any other show recording. But, man, as it went on, I mean, it became standing room only. And then there's people out in the fucking hallway. Yeah. You know, looking in. I mean, they really knew this was the the place to be. No other show got the the, the crowd we did. And I mean, that is no slag to anybody. I mean, you know, we did have the luck of the draw. You know, the thing was over, you know, when we were done. But there was the word spread. And, you know, since this first year and we didn't get to do anything, you know, at the podcast last year, uh, you you know, kind of our, our status has risen, if you will. And the legend of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast so, and we also had, you know, I want to thank all the other podcasters that came in to check us out, too, you know. Julian Gill from Kiss Facts. Oh, oh, yeah, Cobras and Fires were there. I mean, there were a lot of people came in. It, it got to be so many, like, I, I I, didn't even see faces anymore. You know, I just, like, I mean, I saw bodies. But we, we were in the zone, and, uh, man, but, yeah, TikTok, man. Yeah. This one's this one's for you, brother, because we couldn't have done this shit without you. And there's one thing that we should explain, because this is audio, and you might not get it. But uh, Ian, uh, several times during the interview, um, puts his attention on a Polish girl. <laughs> so it's uh, one of our friends. His, his girlfriend yeah, is Polish. Rich, Rich, Rich Canamere's wife yeah, is Polish. She's Polish, and you know, you'll hear him say some Polak jokes. And he, he's directing it at her, and uh, they made the fatal mistake of sitting front row for this. Yeah, and she was a great sport. A great oh, sport. Oh, no, she was awesome. Yeah, she came up to me... Uh, uh, Rich is a guy that discovered us through Decibel Geek and, uh, you know, wrote me a lot of nice messages, uh, you know, saying how much he loves the show. And, uh, you know, he's donated for us the last two years. And uh, he told me his, his wife, you know, they listened to the Bohemian one and just laughing. And she got all the jokes and just was so cool. But of course, you know, since I know she's a cool chick, you know, I'm, I'm going to really lay on the Pollock jokes. And, and she was a great sport and a lot of fun. But, yeah, they, they shouldn't have been in the front row. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, but it, it was it was awesome. So there will be an unedited version up on YouTube soon. Uh, this one, I'm going to edit portions of it, you know, just to make it special for YouTube. But don't worry. I'm keeping the juiciest, best parts on this episode. But, you know, uh, keep your eye out and subscribe to the YouTube channel for the unedited version. And again, special thanks to Vince. In the beginning of uh, this, you might hear a little rumbling because it's Vince setting up the camera. But, you know, nothing really, you know, uh, I don't think uh, you're going to miss anything during the little rumbling parts. Yeah, and and, and one thing we should say, uh, when we do the YouTube version, there is a professional soundboard recording of this. Yes, and I'm going to wait till I get that uh, before I upload it. And uh, as far as, like, you know, the other interviews, like Erie Vaughn, and uh, uh, Dave Allison, I'll add the audio uh, from from our um, the Zoom recorder to to the video to give it that professional sound. There you go. So here it is, 
Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Alive 2. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and we are the greatest podcast known to man. And Woo, yeah. you, all, you all know this, and those that don't, you're just jealous. Right? Am I right? That's right. Hold on. Who, who are you? I'm the guy that's going to have sex with your granddaughter in 18 years. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah! I'm the other guy. Yeah, I am Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah. I'm drinking another beer and drink it. Got a case anyway, we're not prepared, but that's how we're. Oh yeah, going. we're never prepared. Really? Wow. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have a little fucking double fist. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. That headache, pap through river. Piss warm too. Look, look at this shit. You think this thing ever won a fucking blue ribbon? Come on. <laughs> Who the fuck was bullshitting here? <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, so we're like your monkeys now. We gotta be funny and shit. So um. Go yeah. ahead, Ian. You're the funny guy. We got any iTunes reviews this week? Uh, yes, we do. Oh, yeah? Uh, thanks. The dick was really good last night. Ian's mom. Oh. Yeah. Richard Gamware here. Richard. Oh, he brought the Polak, too. <laughs> we got the Polak right here. Front row. I had to. Front row. <laughs> Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. <laughs> Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we goof on Polak's. But at least he's gonna get laid. <laughs> and he's gonna get anointed. <laughs> he's gonna do it in the back of a Jeep. We have a Jeep. Two. We I do two. have a Jeep. <laughs> two of them. Not your dumbass, right here. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I don't know what do you want to talk about, bro. Is that my cane? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your walking stick. Yeah, I'm about to hit you guys with it. <laughs> It's always been my dream to get hit over the head with this by a pole arm. <laughs> that may come true. <laughs> the great thing about a pole of sugar, too, is they'll pay you. True <laughs> story. True story. story. Oh, my God. We have BJ Cramp here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, BJ yeah. Cramp. yeah. Don't you hate when a uh, girl goes down on you and gives you a cramp? <laughs> Thankfully, he never gets that. If you ever heard his show, he keeps sucking and sucking oh. and sucking. Uh, but, uh, I want a question from TikTok, man, because I know it's going to involve our moms and how I'm a spick. Yeah. I got a question. Yeah. 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 No, no, yeah you, you, you with the red hair. You with the red hair. You just... Seeing as how you're a spick. Uh, <laughs> See? I, I'm wondering, because you're probably kind of poor. Yeah. How much did your mother charge to suck dick? Thank you. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, in the early days, it was twenty bucks because of uh, you know, the price of living. Yes, go ahead. It's about twenty bucks and twenty-five cents. Really? Yeah. Thank you, sir. But I'll tell you what, I, I've had them both. You know, your mother and TikTok, TikTok's mother. And I prefer TikTok's mother because she says, you know, cocks like diet coke just for the taste of it. You know, no charge. My mom can't say that because she that. don't speak English. Yeah. Yeah. She's a... yeah, yeah, she's from Africa. Fucking <laughs> Marcus Welby. I'm walking out. <laughs> oh, BJ, we got a question from BJ here. Why is it taking you this long to have Rock and Ron running back on the show? 
And when will he be back? Yeah, that has nothing to do with us and all about his parole officer. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, he couldn't be here today because, you know, the hotel is within 500 yards of elementary school. You know, and and he, he's a pedophile. And by pedophile, I mean kid fucker. Uh, and, and, and by kid fucker, I mean he diddles the little ones. Yeah. And by diddle the little ones, I mean, you know, what... Uh, TikTok man does in his spare time. Reminds me when when I when I talked about the first time I had sex with Ian's mom on the podcast, I said uh, that I that I fucked her in a in a crack house, and actually she heard the episode, and she said that motherfucker Ralph. And then I said, oh look, I'm gonna apologize. So I got in the air and said, I want to apologize to Ian's mom. I did not fuck her in a crack house. Back then it was called the free base house. True story. And she's still mad at me. I said I was sorry. Anyway, um, so, Ian. Yes, sir. I love you, man. Like in a total gay way. <laughs> but you noticed that last night, right? <laughs> no, it's passed out. Right, did you see that? That's passed out. And just to let you all know, so here, so. he's the catcher, okay? I'm not that gay. <laughs> I, got, I got a question. Yes. Again? It's a legitimate question. <laughs> TikTok, yeah. Unlike you, who are illegitimate. But go ahead. Yes, sir. You in the back row with the red hair. Yes, thank you. You, you ginge fucking leprechaun. Not <laughs> steroids. Uh, yes, yes, sir, go you ahead. I have a theory. On, it seems like uh, half these podcasts are kiss-oriented podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And so I developed a theory last night, and I'm curious of what you guys think. Why are there so many fucking kiss podcast for such a mediocre band. Uh, well, it's hard to talk about a band that's worth yeah, a shit. Right. You know? uh, so, uh, I'm the legitimate question. Why, what is your theory on why there are so many fucking KISS podcasts and KISS not so as Well, there? podcasts are ruled by virgins. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that you. was my theory as well. They don't yeah. have jobs. They live in the cellar. They and they're <laughs> so they're not getting pussy. Therefore, they do podcasts. You answered your own question. I'm just backing you up. I, I will say everybody I saw in that hall had an eight-sided die and had that pasty white like had left left the basement. Lives on a diet of hot pockets. Uh, you, you know, you know. Damn, that sounds like me. No, you got that year-round tan, you stick. But, uh, that is true. I am a stick. But uh, no. An honest, an honest uh, answer for that. For yeah, yeah, I know we joke around a lot. An honest answer, what an easy way to get ratings. It's, yeah. What, whatever you do, people will jump out at that, and that's something I, I bitch about all the time. Is we, we have episodes, and we, we have a great following, but we do a fucking kiss episode. It goes through the fucking roof. And then we'll do another episode that, you know, our regular listeners will say that's a quality episode, laugh my ass off, very funny. But has nowhere near the numbers. So what, what that's telling me is these are people who don't even like our show, but they just oh my god they're talking about kids and they get the makeup on the, you know the, the Jews with the boots you know and, uh, you know but uh, oh, Julian Gill's here he's got he's got a popular yeah. kids podcast a, a very fine Jew with boots right there uh, Shalom um, but uh, no. I, I mean, they're just, they don't care. They don't care if they like us or not. Like, they could hate everything I say about it, but if you mention Kiss, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I was that nerd for years and years, and I finally had a breaking point. I mean, I still love classic Kiss, but it's like, 
God damn, I, I used to play with G.I. Joes, you know? And, and when I was real little, I used to get shampoo in my pee hole and it burned. But as I grow up, that doesn't happen anymore. And that's how I am with Kiss. Kiss does not go in my pee hole and make me burn anymore. I grew up. I, I, I listened to, to, to man metal, you know, like Motorhead. Well, we chased out Julian Go pretty quick. Yeah. He's got shampoo in his piss slit. He'll be back later. Any, any more questions? TikTok. Uh, well, well, follow up. <laughs> like uh, follow up question. All right. I, like he understands fucking English. I would venture to say, you're not talking to the Cuban. Dude, I, I was Excuse me, Spick. <laughs> yeah. I want to Oh, well, you'll come Obama, motherfucker. Anyway, I, I would venture to say that there's more Van Halen, uh, Led Zeppelin fans, and whatnot. But yet there aren't as nearly as well, many podcasts on that. that so that, that I would is, say that the Kiss fans, whether they're uh, you know crazy or not, seem to be very, very passionate, which is, uh, I guess, you know... Well, I, I've got the perfect answer to that. People know? who listen to Van Halen and Led Zeppelin... They go outside. They go outside. They're fucking. They're not sitting in their basement listening to a fucking podcast. <laughs> they're out there procreating and then leaving, just like he did my mother forty-five years ago. Uh, you know, we're kids, kids fans. You know, you know. Look, Sean, I'm talking to you. You know, you masturbate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, no, no, hey, no shame. This guy, I do it constantly, bro. I jack off like crazy. You know what? I get laid and I still jack. Off. I don't know. I've seen videos of Sean on Pornhub, you know. And yeah, I mean, it's because I Google it, you know, but uh, you know, I'm looking out for you, brother. But you know, the, you know, I'm like, all kidding aside, we all jack off, and you know it. Some more than others. Right here, man. I do it at work. Yeah. I like to get paid for it. Unlike TikTok man's mother, you know. I won't, I would never let TikTok's mom jack me off again. <laughs> she doesn't really, like like she makes my, my my circumcised cock look like a circumcised cock because she like pulls all the skin up and shit and like keeps pulling it and shit. It's like she's trying to get ketchup out of a bottle. Grabs <laughs> <laughs> all the hair. Of that. Jesus Christ! Mom's a whore, bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, y yes, you in the back. Yes. I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, uh, Ralph. Yes, sir. Who, who did you uh, lose your virginity to? Uh, I'm you want me to tell you the, the true I'm, answer? Yeah, because I, I think I know, and I'd like to hear I was 13 years old, and she was 36. This is the true answer. It was uh, my brother's best friend's wife. His uh, The husband was a trucker, and he would always, you know, he'd be around out of town. And, uh, I don't know. I, I can't really tell you all the details because I kind of I'm kind of vague on how it started over the phone. Like so, oh, she, she basically said, "You're a virgin." I was like, "No, uh." <laughs> so she came over and she she took me to her house and I'm like shaking my nose and shit. And believe it or not, as as sexually perverted as I am today, back then I I wasn't into anything but but movies. So when I she took me to her house and I had sex with her, like cruising. Yes. That was the first time I ever orgasmed. And I couldn't stop thinking about that the next day. What the fuck was that, man? So uh, it happened for about three and a half years. And it's because of her I saw Randy Rhodes, because she bought me a ticket and took me to see Ozzy Osbourne and Randy Rhodes. And that to me was more important than losing my virginity.
and, and, and just to let you know that it is true, um, to get molested like that at 13 years old fucks you up for the rest of your life. True. Very true. It doesn't matter if it's a fucking girl or a boy. I was 13 years old. I didn't know no better. And she pretty much, uh, what do they call that? Statutory rape? Yeah. It? And, it, and it, it, it's true. It really fucks you up. Put, put your hand down, sir. Put your hand down, sir. No, no, no. Come on. More questions. No, no, no. I, no, I, I believe I have that. I'd like to share, you know, sure. my, my deflowering. Mm. Oh, uh, but uh, this true story. Look her up on Facebook. There uh, we go. TikTok man. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Um, so uh, my friend got laid. And I was like, well, I got to get laid now. Because I was lying about it. He said he got laid. So I was like, I got to say, I got laid. You know, I got to be cool as him. But I'm dating this girl. She's not putting out. So I, there's a school whore. TikTok man. If I'm going to date her. You know, I'm going to get laid. So I date TikTok. For weeks. And, uh, you know, nothing happens. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? Don't you love me? You know, we've been dating two weeks. Don't you love me? Won't you give me? She goes, that's why I like you. You're not like the other guys. How old were you? Don't get laid. I was like 13. Okay. So, uh, so, so I, I, I threw a fit one time. I was like, fuck this. I want to break up. You know, you're not fucking. She's like, all right, fine. Let's just do it. I was like, really? Really? That easy? She's like, yeah. So we're in, we're in a basement, you know, because I'm a Kiss fan. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're in the basement on, on my father's weight bench and I remember it was warm and wet and all of 13 seconds and then I was like can we do it again she goes what do you mean again and uh, <laughs> and uh, she's like well yeah, yeah whatever so we keep going and all of a sudden she starts shaking moving you know I'm like yeah I'm fucking Johnny Wad, you know, I got this down. Like, I, I'm doing something right. This girl is shaking and moving. I look over. My puppy was humping her leg, and she was trying to kick the dog off of her. <laughs> Had nothing to do with me. I kicked that fucking dog right across the basement. Like wow, it, like, suck. Like an empty fucking Hot Pocket wrapper. You know what I'm talking about, Sean, right? <laughs> also, I, I didn't really finish the story TikTok about the girl that took my virginity. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you forgot the name. Her name was Mrs. TikTok. <laughs> so um, what happened was I got a call one day from her husband. And he's like, who's this? And this? By the way, I'm ancient. There was no caller ID or nothing like that. And I'm like, uh, who's this? And he's like, is this Ralphie? I was like, who is this? This is Oscar. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he hangs up the phone. I'm like, holy fuck. So I run. And where I lived in Hialeah, I, I ran to my friend's house. I was like five houses away. And I'm hiding. I'm petrified, right? And I hear my mom. Ralphie. She would always call when, my, when the food was ready. So I was like, oh, my mom and dad are home. It's safe to go back home. So I go back home. I go in my room. My brother's in there with a bloody lip. And he's like, well, I was like, what happened? He's like, dude, Oscar found out I was fucking his wife. <laughs> and I was like, and it crushed me. I mean, here's another thing. That's why it fucked me up so much. When the husband would come back home, I'd be like home, like so jealous and pissed going, I bet he's, she's fucking her husband. I fucking bet. But anyway, to this day, my brother does not know that I also did that. And that's recording, right? <laughs> Manny. We were both doing her, bro. This is, I swear, 100% true story. I swear to Black Sabbath, this shit's true. Well, 
Whenever anybody asks, who's this? Always say BJ Cramp. That way they have no idea who you are. I tell you, she was awesome. I never got a cramp from those BJs, bro. Anyway, any more questions, TikTok? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I remember in the uh, classic uh, uh, Beatles White Album yes. that you guys did, you told the uh, origin of uh, Mr. Wadley's name, uh, Wawa. Do, do oh, yes, that? Wawa. Do you recall that? Could you tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> was it? I, don't, I don't remember it having to do uh, everything. Yeah, yeah. No, Ian, Ian's mom would, uh, <laughs> would call him Wawa. Yes. Now, Wawa was also means water. Because piranha that shoot through her diaphragm doesn't flow off the tongue uh, like Wawa. So I, I used to tell her, get me some Wawa, bitch. I believe there was something about shooting a... Yeah, but I, I'm very embarrassed about this, straight. but yeah, he was in the crib. It's on fucking iTunes. Listen to the fucking episode. Okay, we only have a half hour. It was, it, Ian was in a nearby crib, and I went to give her a facial, and it kind of missed and hit Ian. That was horrible. It was a toddler. I felt like that guy that committed suicide yesterday. And by the way, he did. Clems have nothing to do with it. And, we'll, and let's hear it for Aaron Kamara and Chris Isn't it? Yes. Hey. And all the great podcasts. And, you know, and, and not just the great podcast, but BJ's podcast, too. You know, and about those podcasts. You know. You know, let's thank the shitty ones, too. Bless their heart, they try. Uh, but uh, seriously, I want to thank all you guys. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, you know, even if they do have to hide us in this room like a dirty fucking secret, you know. You uh, guys are a bunch of degenerates yeah. being here, seriously. Yeah. Rocket Pop, you know, this is like the Holocaust. They pretend it doesn't happen, you know. Like, oh, there's a dirty little room where we talk. By the way, he's the liberal out of both of us. Seriously, it's true. Yeah. And it's like BJ always says, just because I'm liberal doesn't mean I, hate, I don't hate Jews. You know, that's BJ, not me. That's true. Dude, BJ, I don't believe that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't say it all the time. <laughs> hey, hey, we got it. We got it on Mike. He said something funny. Now, now bring that to your show, bro. Yeah, yeah. Put that on your show and talk about a good man. You might have something. Don't waste it on him. <laughs> But uh, it, 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 it's fucking incredible. We have people here from all over the fucking country. By the way, I'm very insulted. Are you talking about bad podcasts and you left Bushy out of that? <laughs> uh, well, that's why I put this fucking screen right here so I didn't have to see oh, that, that fucking man. dick broom he's got fucking hanging out. That's why he didn't do it. He was obstructed and shit. Jesus Christ. Look at that shit. Look at that shit. Reminds me of the fucking 70s. God damn, shave that fucking shit. No way. No, I'm talking about your ass. I, you know, but when you're done with that, get that beard too. Hey, look, it's Max, Max Porter from the Kiss Room. Oh. You, know, you know what you will never find in the Kiss Room? Condoms. <laughs> or females. Yeah. Probably true. Not probably, dude. <laughs> Came all the way from Canada to be on the kiss room on Monday. Really? An actual woman. What's his name? Yeah. Perfect. How long was her penis? Kissroom.com. I'm, I'm a big fan of Bruce Jenner from back in the day. Hey, uh, Ian, where did you learn the uh, the triple fisted technique? <laughs> yeah, I always wondered that myself. Yeah, yeah. Great question, Tim. Uh, I've got a great answer. Have Have you ever tried having sex with your mother on two beers? Uh, you know, I have not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to either, you know. Well, of course not. My mom. <laughs> yeah, that's wrong, man. 
I you, mean, don't see, I, you don't see how much it takes me to fuck your dad. Look at that reaction. That was awesome. The funny thing is, though, he's tired. on you, dude. I mean, all I know is TikTok looks like you can kick our both our asses really easy. I know, that's boy, why you guys are the best fucking podcast. Yeah, yeah. best that's fucking science. podcast. Oh my god, we got the pot father. Pot father's here. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he is an inspiration for me to start doing podcasts. I swear. I used to listen to uh, Kiss Fat. I'm uh, not Kiss. I'm sorry. There you go. Say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> Kiss Fat. Podcast. Back when I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to talk to women, I used to listen to you all the time. You were very inspirational. But I'm a smooth pimp. I made it all happen. Exactly. There, there's a lot of people here or inspirations that we listened to before we got started. You know, when Riley called me, he goes, you know, listen to these guys. Because we could do this, but make it good. And, 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 and that's what we've done. And, and I also want to thank Ian, because he is my second uh, inspiration. Uh, because after, when I met this guy, he had a girlfriend. I said, holy shit, I can get a girl too. <laughs> and it worked. I actually got a girl because, you know. And, and, and the button queen's here. She's the queen of the birthday. Happy birthday. For birthday. Happy birthday, button queen. You're the best. I would so have sex with you, but I love you so much, I don't want to give you anything. Yes, sir. You're in the back with the erection. Yes. Question from the audience. Yes, sir. Have you announced your candidacy? We live in... In, in a, in a that is true. I am. I am running for president. And, uh, yeah, Doctor Fuck Twenty Twenty. And, and honestly, y'all may laugh, but I am actually gonna win. It's true. I am gonna win. Uh, my. Uh, I'm gonna put everybody in Ticketmaster in jail. Uh, throw away the key. Uh, Two dollar beers. No more at, at concerts. Yeah. No more um, parking fees. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, you may be around, you may be upset about this, Ken, but I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, no more tapes used at shows. Okay, <laughs> that's gotta stop. Yep. But you know, I think you guys should run together with you as the president, him as the. What fuckwad? Yeah, it'd be fuckwad 2020. Just imagine the merchandise alone. No, and I'm all for that because I'm all about being the vice president because the vice president doesn't do dick and neither do I. But the thing is, what TikTok's mom does. Oh. 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 She is a whore. Yeah. <laughs> she's not a Polak, but she's close. Yeah. Hey, this one right here. This one right here. My mom. I don't want I don't want Ian as my vice president because I know the second I go to the bathroom, he'll start a war with France. Yeah, yeah. He hates the French. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, but I heard you want to build a wall to get rid of Sammy Hagar. We want to build a wall around Sammy Hagar. I released the tapes that he is responsible for 9-11. His mother works the third shift at fucking 7-Eleven. He's a piece of shit. He ruined Van Halen. And uh, I, mean, I mean, you can trace everything bad in history back to Sammy Hagar. Exactly. And I also, main priority, Remember when David Lee Roth was in Van Halen? Yes. Yeah, love book. And, and my number one answer. number one thing when I uh, get in office, I'm deporting Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> to hell. But when he show up? Oh, I, yeah, 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 that's the problem. Did you get Robin Zander to sing the national anthem? 
Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> OMG, Robin Xander. My favorite. We were going to get Kiss to do it, but the tape broke. True story. I'm sorry for the young lady in the front, uh, front who's Polish. You were going to do Kiss to the tape broke. <laughs> Yes. How in the hell did Nate Atkinson get a girl, especially when she's pretty? I mean, she's very pretty. Good question. Yeah, that's a good question, but that's a question for you, Nate. <laughs> roofies? <laughs> Again. Definitely roofies. LSD. He got it just like the president. True love. True love. <laughs> she's attracted to him. Aren't we all? Thank you all. Thank you so much. We love you. you. Thank you so much. Well, there you go. The podcast kings, the pod god, the god, the godcasters. That's what we are. God, you know, there's the, there's the pod father and there's the godcasters. <laughs> I like that. I, I like man, that. I just came up with that right now. Godcasters. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's right. I'm God. You're, you're like the Jesus cast. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's it. That's all we got for the expo, but the story doesn't end there. Oh, no. Uh, now we're going to go into what happened after the expo. Uh, well, I mean, it's also worth mentioning. I mean, I know you played it, uh, you know, in, in the previous episode, but after that, about an hour later is when we did our, uh, uh, you know, we got, got uh, did our song and stuff, and, and then we saw the Dave Ellison concert. Did we go into detail about that in the first one? No, but that was part of where I was going to go. Yeah, okay, as okay. far as far as the expo, that's it, you know. Right, the expo part of it. Yeah. So after that, uh, we go and upstairs and relax a little bit, and we actually weren't going to go to the Dave Ellison thing. You remember? We were like, ah, fuck it, let's just stay here. But Tim Bream and Vincent went down there, and Tim Bream sent me a message saying, "Dude, they're doing Polaris." I'm like, yeah, dude, we should go, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad we did, because it was awesome. And, and thank you, Brian Davis. He paid for me. Did he? Yeah, he, pay, he paid for me and Bushy's daughter. What a nice dude, man. Yeah, what a nice, because I, I, I was like, where's an ATM? I never carried cash, and you needed cash. And, uh, I mean, it was, uh, and I want to say, you know, for Dave, it was $10. That's not bad. No, it was, and no, dude, it, and the it, performance it, you know. was worth way more than that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're staying at a hotel where everything was so fucking pricey. I was really glad that he kept, you know, the ticket prices low. And, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a show. It was an all-star thing. I mean, uh, Tony Harnell went up there and did Green Man Alishi. And holy fuck, did he hit those last notes. I wish I would have filmed that. I think I did film it, and you have to be on my Facebook, because I did it, like, with my phone on Facebook Live. You know, filming Facebook Live is the easiest thing on the planet. You press Live, you hold it down, and you get to enjoy the show. It's just like holding your phone, uh, you know, like, around, like, you know, waist level, so you're not blocking anybody behind you. And you just enjoy the show. And I was headbanging, you know? And uh, the great Charlie Hill... Uh, the last song was um, was the last song, Peace Sells. And yeah. everybody was getting up on stage, and he was like, dude, get up there. I was like, all right. So uh, I got up there, and I, everybody walked away from the microphone when it was time to do the last Peace Sells, that last part. 
So I got to do it. Like nobody sang, and I sang that part with Dave Ellison. So I uh, performed with Dave Ellison for 3.5 seconds, and I'm damn proud of that. We we had that was the first night, and I had a really decent sleep. I mean, we we got to. I think we slept all the way to nine in the morning or something or ten. Yeah. Went to uh, the Ken Mills little thing, and yes. wh- whoever that girl was that was performing was a mega talent. Oh yeah, very beautiful voice. Very beautiful voice. I believe she's married to the guy from the Rock and Roll Residency. Uh, he was there, and Ken, you know, he had a little thing going on in his place that uh, Ian asked for like a Bloody Mary, and they only sold the uh, wine. Yes, it, it was a wine bar that was owned by uh, the touring bass player for the Monkees. Yes. And Ken was doing a live episode of his Monkeys podcast, Zilch. And it was really nice. You know, there was a, it was a nice place. You know, I mean, I mean, it wasn't like my kind of place, a little too classy for me. But, you know, I, I wake up hungover, you know, and I still downed about, you know, good five or six beers before we got there. But I needed, you know, I wanted that Bloody Mary, that hangover drink. And all they served was like wine, hummus, and uh, of course you couldn't there even my douche flu uh so i i spent a lot of time outside and that was no disrespect to the show because they're putting out a great time but it's like you know yeah i I just need to step out because i need to i need to wake up smoke get over my hangover and luckily there's bushy and his girl and you know who, who took us there he popped the trunk and we got cooler with beer <laughs> and and bushy's girl christina she got a. Uh, She's got uh, Jack Daniels and Coke, and we we were we were priming the pump for what would come later. But but it was a really nice event though, and and uh, and I want to thank Ken Mills for inviting us there. And it, it was a nice turnout, and and, that, and a nice venue. And what you guys just heard, I don't know if you made it out. I mean, you did make it out, but you probably don't know who it was. But Ken Mills, man, during our live feed, he goes, "I got a question." Like, yeah, what what what, what question you got? And he's like. How did Bushy get such a pretty girl? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Gotta give it up to Ken Mills. Who? Uh... Oh, he really said that? I thought yeah. you were joking. No, oh, he that's did. Awesome. He did. How did he get such a pretty girl? <laughs> Ken Mills uh, he threw in a zinger. Yeah. That's something you wouldn't expect from the Podfather, you know? Oh, it, 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 was, it was so nice to, to see Ken. Ken was in such a good mood. All, well, I mean, he always is. Well, it was a little I, I, nicer for you to see the Ken with that picture I saw of both of you making. Wow, there's, there's a picture of of Ian and Ken kissing on the lips. On the lips. Yes. Jesus, I got jealous. Um, that morning, I, uh, you know, we we all hung out, and then you know, I'll I'll go through this very briefly because if you want to see hear the full story, you go to Almost Human Fifty Six because I made a video last night of the Vinnie Vincent birthday bash. And we'll st- I'll, I'll give you a very abbreviated thing. Vinnie Vincent's birthday bash, as some of you may know, was supposed to be at that hotel. But it turned out it was never meant to be at that hotel because my theory is he was fucking with, with uh, the Decibel Geek guys. I think he was just starting shit with them. But he actually had it at another Marriott. So all these people, like, they came in the rent-a-car. They either got a rent-a-car or they got an Uber. And they went to the other Marriott. And when they get there, you know, the party starts at 5. They get there at five only for them to say, no, you got to go somewhere else now. So he yes. sent them all to SIR studio. And the report is Vinnie Vincent can play just as well as he did in the eighties. 
which is very bizarre. Like, you know, how he's been playing like he couldn't play for the past year. And he shredded, according to the people there. And at the very end, at the very end of the show, there was this really cool dude. Um, God, I can't remember his name now. He came up to me at the expo and he wanted a picture with me. So I'd take a picture with him. Nice guy. Well, he, he actually, from the expo, he went to the Vinnie Vincent thing. And uh, at the very end of the night, you know, uh, he went up to Vinnie Vincent saying, hey, you know, I was at the... I was at the the Rock and Pot. It was a lot of fun. And look, I took a picture with Dr. Fuck. And Vinny Vincent goes, Oh, Dr. Fuck. Oh, my God. I mean, his poor mother. What does she think of him going around calling himself Dr. Fuck? And I'm like, well, you know, what did your poor mother think when you know, saw pictures of you in the 80s? During the Vinnie Vincent. What is your... I mean, my mom doesn't mind, you know. I think my mom would rather me call be uh, Dr. Fuck than ripping off people and doing all these scumbag moves that you've been doing with these canceled dates with people like booked flights from Europe only to be fucked by you. So fuck you. you, you Uh, He does have kind of a point, man. If your mother ever learns English, she's going to be really disappointed. Well, she won't be as disappointed if I fucking stole from people. That's true. She be that's no, 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 you Much call the Dr. Fucky. That's okay. Cu- that's cuter. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so then from there, uh, from the Ken Mills thing, we had a great get-together. Like we, you know, you got to say, like, the last two were just as good. You know, we, oh, yeah. we always had it at Eric Camaro's house. I actually drank. Yes. yes. I, yes. I, I, I drank with you guys. I was one yes. of the boys. I, I was your bartender. That's right, yeah. Every time Ian got up, I'm like, get me a beer, buddy. <laughs> so I drank with you guys and uh you know it was a, a really cool hang. Not one time do I recall us talking about Vinnie Vincent. It was just That's... us busting balls and talking about music and our podcast oh, shows man. and it it was it was so good. We were sitting there in uh in Chris's garage and it was Aaron, uh Bushy, uh Baco Loose Cannon, Eric. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. And um Bushy's girlfriend. Right. Uh, how do you get her? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, yeah, so and and also a big uh, thank you to Bushy because Bushy was the one that drove me to the Ken Mills thing, and he also drove me to Sinzak's house. Yeah, saved a yeah. lot of money because Sinzak doesn't look live that close to the X. Oh my God! I, I thought we were in fucking Arkansas by the yeah. time we got there. It's like a forty minute drive. And yeah. uh, and Baco, you know, a big shout out to Baco who who. Uh, who said he would pay for us to go home. Yeah, because, you know, you and me and, and, and Baco and Loose Cannon, we had to get back to the to the hotel. And uh, and Baco said, yeah, he goes, I'll, I'll, I'll catch the Uber, guys. It's on me. And I was like, wow, because I, I, I knew that wasn't going to be a cheap Uber ride. And I, I know it was like, you know, it was like 40-something. It had to be 40-something without even tip. But we got a awesome Uber driver. Oh, man, this guy was cool. And I wish we would have got his name. He he was great. He was awesome, and you know, Ian Ian Ian, Ian is nonstop jokes. <laughs> and at one point, I mean, when it all started, really was when you were going off on, uh, I uh, Cox Strikes Ten, whatever that guy's called. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And jo- Ian, Joey Heine. Yeah Joey Heine. He's like oh, fuck that guy. All he has is like white boys and Dockers listening to him, <laughs> and that's when the Uber driver started cracking up. And then he, he proceeded to laugh the whole way back because uh, yeah. Ian just kept going on and on with his drunken, hilarious babble. 
<laughs> and it was like I was cracking. We were all cracking up, and the Ober was loving it, you know. And then uh, Ian said, uh, "What was it? Um, you know, like oh fuck Jerry Seinfeld, a comedian in car. We're gonna start a show called Assholes and Ubers." <laughs> yeah. And the guy, yeah, the, the the Uber driver was like loved that so much. He goes, "Man, I'm gonna get me a neon sign in back of the car that says Assholes and Ubers." <laughs> and, yeah, go ahead. And, and uh, he just told us, he goes, man, I'm going to miss you guys. That, that, to me, was the best part of the trip. We're pulling into the hotel, and he's like, I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs> and he was being sincere. I mean, He was. Th- th- this guy was really, you know, we, nobody was being, like, rude. Nobody spilled anything in his car. We were being cool, but we were just cutting loose. He knew we were drunk. But, uh, man, I just, I just tried my best to keep everybody laughing, and it seemed to work, man. We had a really good time. I told him, I go, dude, you should be paying us. <laughs> I mean, we entertained the fuck out of that dude. And it was a long ride, so you know, it, it was, was a, a lot of ride. a lot, a lot of jokes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fucking uh, and and constant bashing of Cock Strikes Ten. Yes, yes. It was, uh, and you know, these guys are friends with them, so they kind of feel in the middle of everything. But I was like, well, now I know how you guys feel since I'm friends with Branvold. <laughs> but um yeah so uh now we go into the preacher story and this is the oh, wow. this is the crescendo of the whole thing there's the one that people have been waiting for so uh so we're hanging out uh ian bought pizza and pizza takes like an hour to get there because it's pretty far from everything i guess yeah so we're sitting there just fucking around and ian still you know with a drunken drunken hilarious babble and this uh, really heavy set black dude walks out. Uh, say he's about like maybe sixty, older gentleman. Yes. And you know he's sitting about ten feet away from us, and Ian's you know going off. So you know, uh, this guy hears Ian and he starts laughing. You know he's like, oh, yeah. and then he's like, what? What you boys here for? And, well, we're here at the Rock and Pop, blah blah blah. You know, uh, I'm from Florida, and and then he's like, yeah, I'm from New Orleans, and Ian's <laughs> like, oh, I'm from New Orleans. So they got to talking about you know. Areas of New Orleans and so forth. And uh, then uh, <laughs> a flight attendant comes out. Young kid. Young skinny yeah. kid. I, I would I would say around 20. Yeah, very young. And by the way, he's listening. Because, uh, uh, you know, he Ian was making this guy crack the fuck up. Because, like, you know, you kept calling, what's his name, a pedophile. Um, Chris was his name? Uh, the guy hanging out with us? Oh, uh, Sean Cullen. Sean, Sean. Sean yeah, yeah, yeah we forgot to mention. We, we get back there and Sean Cullen was there and, it, and we got to hang out. And he hung out with us the rest of the night. And that was awesome. Right, right. So we're all talking. And we're really entertaining this young kid. You know? <laughs> yeah. And this, and this young kid, you know, he was like, he was being very entertained by us. He wanted to know our podcast. He fucking saved it on his phone. He subscribed to us. So, uh, so... The pizza finally gets there. But right before the pizza gets there, the young guy starts telling us a story about, I mean, I don't remember the story perfectly, and I doubt you did too, Ian, because you were drunk as fuck. But he, he, went on, he went on something about, like, purple dildos. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of remember. Yeah, he started talking about dildos and putting up an ass and all that shit. Now, while he's saying this, I'm like feeling a little uncomfortable because we have a preacher right there. And that's something I forgot to mention. The yeah. the preacher did say he came to New Orleans to 
preach at some church. Or yeah, he was he was in Nashville to preach at a church. Yeah, that's what I meant, Nashville. Which means he must be a big deal for them to fly him in to preach at a church. You know? Right. So, you know, when, when this guy's going into the whole dildo story, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. You know, the preacher's right there, and you can tell he's hearing it. You know, right. I mean, he's right there. He's, like, fucking a couple feet away from us. But but the odd thing is, he's outside, and this is basically where you know, a, a section for smokers to go, for the yeah. most part. Like, degenerate smell. Like, there's nobody out there, especially at the time of night we were out there. And he wasn't were, smoking. No, he wasn't smoking. In, in fact... Uh, it, it, it's weird because there's two sections right next to each other, but you have to go like a couch over if you're going to smoke. He was at the couch where you couldn't smoke. So, uh, so yeah, it was weird that he was out there, but uh, he, he wasn't flinching. No, so, might- you know, but I just felt like the pizza came at the perfect time because I was feeling a little uneasy. You know, the, you know, the, the young kid was like really going off about these dildos, you know? So pizza gets there. I'm like, all right, man, let's go upstairs, you know? It's like, good so we leave we go upstairs and then uh we me and sean go downstairs again uh sean wanted to smoke a cigarette i wanted to go join him and uh when we get back there the young guy's still there the preacher's gone (laughs) so the the young guy goes hey man you know what happened after you guys left you know uh that 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 preacher guy he looked at me he said you got nice feet Said the Lord blessed you with good yeah, feet. The Lord blessed you with good feet, and then he said, "And I have a I have a vice for white boys." <laughs> so this guy freaks out. He gets on his phone and he texts his girl, his girlfriend, I guess, and says, "Call me." And it took his girlfriend a couple minutes, like two three minutes, to call him. And within those two three minutes, this guy was hitting on him, trying to get him upstairs. The preacher. <laughs> so finally the girl calls and he's like, oh, hold on, my girlfriend's calling. So he grabs the phone and he walks away and he just stayed away till he saw the preacher go back inside. <laughs> then he came back. And uh, that's the preacher story. <laughs> Is that <laughs> wild? <laughs> and, and then we see him the next morning. He's out there when we go out there to leave the hotel. Yeah, and I, and I click a picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> and so I get back. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday and, uh, I, I just went back to work today and I'm, I'm sending, uh, his picture out to everybody I know who lives in his area. Like, do you know this guy? Yeah. Do you, do you know where he preaches? And I, I haven't got an answer yet. If one guy's asking me like, why? And I go, cause he a freak. <laughs> you know, look, look, the guy was young, you know, the yeah, flight yeah. attendant was a young kid. Yeah. So, you know, he'll dip younger than that. Right. You know, so that's somebody that, yeah, you should put the word out. This guy has a fetish for young white boys. <laughs> I know. And as, he, as he said, a vice. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saving this picture because it might just be a, a little bit of time till he gets caught in a compromising position. As a matter of fact, I think I did see him walking around uh, Monday morning with uh, Michael Sweet. Ah, uh, Michael okay. Sweet left Sunday. Uh, okay. I guess I made that part up. See, then. that's why you're not going to interview him next year. Uh, we just fucked that up. Uh, I, I I do what I want. I'm gonna interview him. God damn it! Uh, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it solo. <laughs> yeah, you can do it next year, without me. <laughs> so there you go. That's the recap of the Rock and Pod Expo Three. It was a fucking major time. And you know, a little quick note just to bring the end to this whole story. Um, 
Uh, I had a nine-hour delay, as you all know. When I got back, uh, when I went to go home, a two-hour delay. But I was like, two hours, man, if they don't add nothing to it, two hours, peanuts. You right. know? And it was. It wasn't It wasn't that bad. It was actually no more delays after that, and I got home. Right. But we did have to get to the airport a lot earlier than our flight because we had to check out of our hotel room. Exactly, and our flight wasn't, well, Ian's flight wasn't until four. And so was mine, but it was delayed two hours, so... I stuck around two hours after Ian left. I know it's hard to say, well, man, how is four going to top three? But Jesus, after two, I was like, two was so awesome. You know, you can't discount one and two Rockin' Pod. They were both right. great. But, man, it was like, I'm not just talking like, you know, the the attendance, you know, how it got bigger each year. But the vibe was so much better. Plus, you know, we didn't have those scumbag uh, podcasts there. Yeah, and, and each each year, not only did the venue double in size, but the attendance doubled every year. It was and, huge. And I, you know, I I, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to jinx it, but because of what a success this is, this year's was, there might be some things in the working that will make for potentially dwarf this one. And uh, let's just keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I know the story, and if it happens, oh man. Yeah. And, you know, like, you got to think about it. You know, the Star Trek convention started very small. Comic-Con yeah. started very small. The other the big yes. things. So, hopefully, the same thing will apply to to the Rockin' Pod. And, uh, you know, if that happens, we're going to be legends, dude. Yeah, and, and, and I implore everybody, uh, you know, please do whatever you can. To, you know, if it means you got to start setting even 20 bucks aside every paycheck or whatever, you know. You know, do what do what it takes to make sure you join us next year. Because you'll be an interviewer. Yeah, and, and, and it's the more the merrier, dude. And, and all these great fucking funny stories you're hearing now, you'll be part of them next year. Exactly. You know? And how awesome would that be? And But I want to thank each and every one of you uh, who donated because you made this all happen. Without you guys, we never would have made it there. And... Uh, and I, from the bottom of, of my cold black heart, I thank you, uh, you know, the listeners. You know, every year, Rock and Metal Combat podcast, we've raised over the first three years, we've raised like over $11,000 for this expo, you yeah. know, and, and really helped keep it going. And, you know, Chris Inzek does a lot of the hard work, but he, he, thanked, he thanked us a gazillion times, uh, you know, and, and, and he, and, Trust me, he'll be thanking the listeners. You'll hear that soon, uh, be, because of you guys, man. Really saved this thing and and helped it keep going every year, and hopefully soon it gets to a point where we don't have to rely on you as much. But you will always go down in history as what helped build this. It is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast listeners? There's no denying that. So I you know thank- another highlight that sell that's that was so vindicated at the Rockin' Pod was when the whole fucking room all chanted Chris. Yeah. The end. They were all, Chris, 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 Chris. Because, you know, they everybody knows, you know, what how how much, you know, work he put into it and how successful, you know, it all paid off. Yeah. You know? I saw a post from him today going, man, did this weekend really happen? I mean, yeah. he was so happy it happened. And cool little vinyl collection there, Chris. Took me in his house, and I'm sorry yeah. I forgot to sign your vinyl. You had to thrash your die vinyl. I was supposed to sign, and I guess we all we all were a little drunk. Yeah, but that that's a bargaining chip, you know, because be like, hey, you really want that sign? We got to get back on stage next year. 
That's okay. <laughs> Which I don't think we're going to have a problem after this year. I want to snort some coke off that album. <laughs> but but now we're just going to have to come up with a way to outdo ourselves next year. Oh, uh, don't worry. Look, were we even planned this year? You know, we didn't no. go. We didn't go as Vinnie Vincent. We didn't do. We just went in like normal, and uh, we killed it. You know? we, we we didn't pre-plan any questions for our interviews. Nothing. It, you know, we didn't we didn't like what we were gonna. You know. Oh yeah, we stay. had no questions. Yeah, yeah. It's just the shit that came off the top of our head, and and, and the shit in the live show was the same thing. We didn't agree on one thing. We they just said you're rolling, and we just went. But that's how we do it every week. Well, exactly. I mean, I take I take notes on the reviews, but other than that, uh, yeah, man, it, it and it's straight from the heart. That's why you guys. Uh, feel the show the way you do because you know it's no bullshit. You listen to some other shows, not the ones that were there this year, but there's some other shows out there. You know the difference when you hear it in fucking shows. You know this is the real deal. And uh, and we think because you guys are the real deal fucking listeners, man. And thank you so much. Thanks, everybody out there. And, uh, er, you know, as, as, like the people that came out, thank you so much. And equally thanks to the people that donated. You know? Yes. You all fucking rule. So that's it. That's uh, the Rock and Pod Expo Fee. Keep your eyes peeled. It'll be up on uh, the YouTube page when I'm getting all the audio from, uh, you know, the event and add it to the video to start, so it can be sparkling great. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, and, uh, you know, in my, and, and check out Cobras and Fire, Decibel Geek, and Vieira Vault. And yes. Bushy and the Mountain Man. Yes, damn good movie memories. Damn uh, good movie memories. Uh, as well. All the all the shows that were there, Digital Killed the Radio Star. There's so many great shows and great people we got to meet and hang out with. Uh, yeah, and I, I just want to say, Ralph is going to have a house guest. Uh, the lovely Eve is going to be visiting, so we're going to have to take about a week or so off. About about a week, week and a half, you say, Ralph? Well, no, maybe maybe I'll have a day. She's not actually staying with me. She's staying with her mom. But right. I will be hanging out with her a lot. But, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a day or two we may not hang out. She's going to be here for 10 days. So she just got in today, and she's spending her day with her mom. Tomorrow, her and I go see Atomic, which is going to be awesome. And then Saturday, we go see Max Sabbath with the Oakley Dokalis. Nice, so nice. We're, so we're going to have a great time. Yeah, gonna we're, we're, we're going to put this episode up as soon as possible. Uh, but then it might, it might, you know, we're not going to have multiple ones this week. But once we get back rolling... It's all into the fan interviews, I mean, fan reviews, and trust me, we'll be doing those for months to come, but we're going to keep knocking them out like this, you know? We're, we're going to take care of everybody who took care of us, and exactly. we thank Exactly. And I also want to say that even I have been friends since 83, and we've never had sex, so that's going out to all the female listeners out there. Uh, I only have eyes for you, darling, all you chicks. <laughs> So, uh, signing off, man. Thanks for listening, and uh, I can't wait till next year. Right, Ian? Rockin' Pod 4, your mother's a whore. That's right. See you see then, and uh, more fan-paid episodes coming soon. Yes. Schmack-a-ma-gob. <laughs>